In short, I will not miss Paul Pogba. I'm sure Paul Pogba won't miss United either. Finland are still a second seed. I think we're, we're a better team than Finland. I wouldn't fear them at all coming here. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It's half past seven. You're very welcome along to Friday's OTBAM. It's Owen and Johnny with you right the way through until 10 o'clock this morning. It is a massive weekend of sport. We're going to be joined by Ronan O'Gara to look ahead to the first test against the All Blacks a little bit later. We're going to have Noel Connors previewing All-Ireland hurling semi-final weekend. We're going to have Sophie Becker talking about the Morton Games in Santry. We've got our quick picks. And of course, we've got the crappy quiz with Johnny Ward making his return. Johnny, how are you? Good morning. You looking forward to that? No. Why? No. I, I had a horror show the last time and uh, I, I can't, like I just completely froze. The the occasion got to me. Like I couldn't, there was a question I think about like um, name an Irish goalkeeper in the last like 50 years and I just couldn't. I just, it was, it was all too much. Yeah, it was the 7th of January. COVID was rife. Everybody at brain fog maybe. So we give you a free pass for that. You also just didn't enjoy it whatsoever and it seemed that, you know, you made us all feel like we were kind of um, shaming you or something like that. Mm. I think I think it was in crutches at the time as well. I was probably at the end of a long show, tired and emotional and I... I wasn't up for it. I wasn't up to it at all. No, I let, no. I let the side down. You are up against Jer and Nathan today, so a very mature, mm. crappy quiz coming your way after mm. nine o'clock this morning. Where Looking forward to that, be taken very seriously. You can uh, tweet us at off the ball. Or you can comment on the YouTube stream as well if you want to get in touch with us this morning. We'd love to hear your thoughts on who's going to win in the hurling at the weekend. It feels that there is one game that's impossible to call and one game that everybody's rushing to a conclusion on. I would put it to you though, Johnny, that this has been one of the best sporting weekends on the Irish calendar over the last few years maybe if you take away the Covid years but certainly 18 and 19 those four games those semi-final weekends were absolutely extraordinary crazy things happened and I guess everybody knows that crazy things can happen in a game of hurling but I think even then people were surprised by how brilliant those two weekends were in 18 and 19 and I'm not basing this on any sort of logic but I just wouldn't be surprised if we're in for two manic afternoons over the next couple of days Um I think Claire and Kikenny will be very, will be very, very close. Um, you know, I, I, when you're when I was I was at the Leinster final and uh, Kikenny, um, I was actually impressed with the way they finished the game and squeezed the life out of goal in the second half. And uh, Joe Canning's column is interesting today. I think he he makes a point in the Irish Times that. Um, uh, Kilkenny will consider that they're a little bit written off and it's interesting that uh, TJ Reid at his age that he's as much as he's not the um, he's not as kind of uh, I guess like uh, dominant in that Kilkenny team as he was he was still very good against Galway in aerial battles brilliant from freeze um, and Cooney didn't have a great day from freeze the same day um, the Limerick Galway game like we were just talking about this pre-show what the crowd would be like I, I don't I don't I honestly don't like I get the feeling Galway won't bring a huge support as you said as well they it's been a busy time for uh, Galway GA fans like I, it was interesting even at the game um, last Sunday there didn't seem to be that many Galway people up but I think there'll be a huge crowd for the Derry game yeah. I think the, the football the football um, fraternity in Galway are starting to believe a bit I don't think the belief is there with the hurlers at all and Joe Canning writes about that today there's there's nothing in the championship this year to suggest they can beat Limerick to me and they need um he was basically saying they need to be six points up at five minutes to go. They need to start well. They did an awful lot to go right. Like if Conor Whelan were, were injured, like Lim- Limerick could be literally 100 to 1 on, I'd say. Like there's no way they could win without Conor Whelan. But um, it's early in Henry Shefflin's reign. They just, 
I think they've kind of changed their style of hurling a bit this year and I don't think they have the players to be honest but um, at least you know you go to the game and the knowledge that um, you know they'll probably lose expectations in that high Canning saying in his column this morning that they need to go 15 on 15 as well mm. so it's just kind of like mano a mano we need to believe that we're better than this Limerick side which can can anybody in the country actually say that at the moment it mm. feels like a, a, a not a naive thing to, to think but maybe an overly hopeful point of view the, the only thing is and I, I appreciate that we're kind of going back quite a while here is like just for that first Limerick all Ireland win and and that, that All Ireland final and Grant hit like the the ball was at the feet of of Joe Canning who's obviously not going to be there this weekend like that was an unbelievably close game like Galway it, didn't even hurl that day like that was the thing yeah um, like Galway's last two games in Limerick in the championship I mean Joe obviously um, missed that last hundred yard or whatever to equalise um, but Galway didn't hurl that day and obviously it was a lot to do with Limerick but Galway will will feel that they'd love to have that back um, but. I think more interestingly two years ago they didn't really hurl that day either Joe got injured and they Limerick just about beat them so like Limerick Galway wouldn't necessarily fear Limerick in terms of recent championship battles um, it's just if you look at it this year like I thought Galway were blessed to beat Cork like absolutely blessed to beat Cork it was one of these hurling games where Galway led from start to finish but at no point really in the game did they deserve to be ahead I mean Cork was, Cork's shooting was so bad in the first half and their running game I thought Galway were really struggling defensively um, and again you could see how reliant they were on Conor Whelan um, so I don't I mean there's even against Kilkenny I thought all we were disappointing I don't really think they played much better against Cork and Cork were hammered by Limerick in the first round of the championship so I, nothing, I don't think, even think Limerick have started to actually peak in the championship yet so nothing, nothing suggests Gaulish could win this game It feels this is a strange thing to kind of uh, say, but it feels that Limerick almost have a point to prove this mm. weekend. I don't know why. Mm. I don't know what what has happened this year. Is it because of the fact that they couldn't put Clare away? They couldn't hammer Clare because we expected them to hammer Clare and we expected them to hammer everybody they come up against. I like has that led to the narrative shifting in a different way for Limerick to suddenly go into this weekend being like we need to, mm. we need to prove to everybody that we're still on top. Is it because of COVID? Is it because the last couple of years have have not happened in real circumstances and they feel that they need to win one one All Irelands in in the post COVID year to kind of match twenty eighteen again? I don't know what it is. Maybe like maybe it's just me, but it feels to me as if like yeah. Limerick aren't necessarily on the kind of untouchable pedestal at the moment in terms of how they're being talked up yes everybody's predicting that they're going to win a lot of people are predicting that they're going to hammer Galway this weekend but it still feels that like t- the team talk for John Kiley almost writes itself this this weekend as if the, the, yeah. as if there's a, a siege mentality that's necessarily attached itself to, to this team I think I think as well when you're, when you're successful as a slimmer team you have to sort of um, burn a little bit slower in the championship and um, start peaking uh, you know around this time of year rather than peaking in Munster it's interesting that like Kenny have already lost two games as was pointed out by Joe again like losing to Wexford and Galway um, you know neither really proper All-Ireland contenders I think um, yes you know there's, there isn't any chat about Kilkenny in terms of a negative sense and the expectation is that they will give Clare a good game and it'll be interesting just to compare the, the Munster-Leinster kind of divide again because even there's a different style of hurling I think even in Munster to an extent and Galway beat Cork but like I mean if Galway played Cork tomorrow Cork would definitely be favourites um, and I think Limerick won't have any fear at all that I think they're, they're full of belief they'll win the All-Ireland again I think the other clerical Kenny would be fascinating like it can't yeah. but be close I think Um and I could see, like, I'm, I'm sort of predicting a clear Limerick final, which I think will be close, but, uh, the clear Kilkenny one will be, will be compelling and is it made for, um, 
Brian Cody back in the final in a year when I think his character has been called into question more so than before and people have I think people are a bit down on Brian Cody over the whole Shefflin thing um, and it'll be interesting to see if if Cody can get them to the promised land again because there's a narrative out there that Kenny do need change this stage I don't know if that's true or not but um, Cody Cody uh, King Henry final a third match this year would be interesting as well not that do, I see do that. those questions go away if he makes a final Regardless of what happens in it, I don't know Hurling enough to say that um, you know Brian Cody. Uh, you know somebody could be a better manager than Brian Cody. Like Kenny's consistency under Cody, I think, is one of the greatest Irish sporting stories ever. Like because GEA teams and inter-county teams, they do reach a shelf life where you just kind of. I think it's very hard for a manager to keep repeating the same message and for his players to keep performing. But even in the last sort of few years, Kenny haven't been winning all Irelands. They haven't really looked like they've had the players, but they've been incredibly consistent. And here we are again, where they've a great chance of making an all Ireland final. Um, so they still play for Cody he obviously has I don't know he obviously has some sort of magic about him still but I think if if I think if Clare beat them fairly comfortably there'll definitely be question marks because I feel I feel he's I feel he's let himself down this year with the way he, he behaved with, with Henry Shefton. Um, and I think that's just Brian Cody being Brian Cody. I think that's the winner in him. Um, and that moment when in Pierce Stadium, I think Cody was off guard there. And that was the Brian Cody that exists as a competitor. Whereas then in Crow Park, it was a lot more sort of, well, we know this is going to happen. How is he going to react? And I didn't think he covered himself in glory, to be honest. It's been a tough year for Henry Shefflin and I think you have to park things, you know, park park winning and losing. Henry seems to have, you know, I think he's covered himself very well and I know people in Kilkenny weren't necessarily all in love with what Cody did either. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of airtime dedicated to that over the last little while. It's compelling, though. I it don't is, care. No, like, no, I don't care what you say. Like, being at the game, the Leinster final, nobody left. Like, nobody left. I mean, the game last, like the game, the football game last Sunday. So many people left, even though Kerry and Mayo was on. The game was over, and nobody was leaving. They wanted to see, yeah, and it was like yeah, five yeah. minutes later. Even the big screen was basically like honing in on this. Yeah, and um, it was it was utterly compelling because of the whole, you know, the king and the prince narrative or whatever. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Let's tell you what's coming up over the next little while. We're going to have uh, Ronan O'Gara with us in about five minutes' time. Then we'll chat to 400-metre runner Sophie Becker at around 10 past eight to look ahead to the Morton Games. Obviously, she's had a, a brilliant little while over the last uh, few weeks, actually. She beat uh, Phil Healy to the 400-metre national title last weekend. Sports pages coming your way at half past eight. Quick picks coming your way at 20 to nine. Noel Connors, the former Waterford hurler, will be with us at 10 to nine to look ahead to some of the key matchups. This this weekend and then the crappy quiz coming your way at 10 past 9 Johnny versus Nathan versus Jer Johnny went for a, a lovely dinner last night it says on my document in front of me here I did it was in Orwell Roads um, and yeah. Ratsgar's finest yeah it's a, it's a smashing spot yeah funny the uh, the head chef I think was in Coppinger Row and when like Ratsgar is is a Rathgar is an intriguing part of town because it has like such a good name and it's a lovely part of Dublin but it was like a complete um, almost no-go area for proper food like for years there's no restaurants there and like it only has one pub now bizarrely Rathgar so this Orwell Road when it came in there was a lot of chat about it like because the chef I think is very well regarded and it's oh, more than it's a sensational restaurant and I'm not I'm not being paid to plug it uh, just to let it people point it I paid for my meal last night but it's a beautiful restaurant it seats like about 22 people give or take so it's very intimate lovely atmosphere and yeah set me up nicely for um, I did, had two cocktails and then I just said no I'm on OTBAM the professionalism took over you've come a long way Johnny come a long way 
40 this year it's taking a long time You're 40 this mm-hmm. year what's the plan for that it's up in the air actually it's up in the air yeah I was I was going to I was going to book out like you can book out the barge and the canal there which I was at a 30th there like 10 years ago and I thought it was a lovely idea but back then the barge was moving as you were like partying right. on it like it was moving at like I'd say about a mile an hour but it was moving so if you went for a cigarette break you thought you were in Portobello but you were actually like on Leeson Street or something <laughs> like that it moved like two inches but I went I asked them like oh you know could I potentially book around my birthday and they pointed out in the email by the way we don't move anymore so it's like is it the same? You know, the the whole point is that it, it it is moving, and you can see Dublin going by very very slowly. But uh, to answer your question, I don't know. But you're, you'll you'll be on the uh, on the invite list. Any That's suggestions? What well, one? The barge sounds great. One of those mm. barges, yeah. The Killarney, get on the Killarney boat. Yeah, on uh, Killarney. Yeah. yeah. The 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 missus was pointing out that you know she was at a forty the other day, and there's something a bit shocking about the four, the four O balloons. Because you know that's coming forty, like it's not really something to be celebrated. No, but I will say that. Like, I mean, we've got a comment in saying he doesn't look forty. Also, uh, as an aside, Rick I'm Jagger sorry, says Johnny Ward is God. So, uh, a God who doesn't look forty—that's the biggest compliment mm, you could be. God paid. didn't make it to forty. Jesus didn't. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Very mm. good point. So, uh, and you look younger than Jesus did on the yeah, well, day I mean, it all ended. Yeah, it's um, very profound. Didn't we? we've actual footage of Jesus the day it all ended. But uh, yeah, yeah, any suggestions in? Yeah, um, well, get them in. Johnny Ward, what should he do for his fortieth? If you want to go, uh, tweet us in something, and uh, we'll pick the best five out, and they can come along. I mean, uh, high in chat this morning, but putting uh, words in Johnny's mouth. Uh, we'll get to Ronald O'Gara in just a moment. Um, Tour de France, actually, something we just wanted to briefly touch on. Mm. Uh, people who listen to this show all the time will know that Johnny is a, a keen cyclist. I think keen cyclists kind of get absorbed by this thing over the course of the few weeks. There is nothing more relaxing, more absorbing than the beautiful scenery, the, even on the, some of the flat stages. Mm. It's, it can, can sometimes be compelling television. And then obviously there are the explosive moments when they go through the mountains and it is just utter sporting theatre over the course of the month of July. So you'll be watching all of this? Yeah, I, I like to have it on. I I've been working from home now for like a long time so I'm a lot of people got into working from home during lockdown but it was kind of um, it's been it's been very normal for me for a long time and like I often just have the TV on in the background I think the Tour de France is lovely for that like you can have like Sean Kelly like with his uh, inimitable Carrie Conshore twang talking to the English lads from uh, on Eurosport and just going through the tour and as you say the the scenery and like if you love if you love France which I mean if you're normal you love France it's it's lovely to see those that those those stages and like we've a very hot favourite from Pogacar this year no Irish uh, competitor at all screwed which is, over a little bit I think yeah like Sam Sam Bennett's situation like he he obviously won the green jersey um, two years ago and um, like ridiculously didn't win Sports Star of the Year like Katie Taylor won it that year for like winning two fights I think and like winning the green jersey in the Tour de France is insane like and and Sam Bennett was the best sprinter in the world but he's had like he's had a check or two years he's by all accounts he's just not in the form um, to to sprint like he he, he was so he hasn't made it and so there's no Irish um, Nicholas Roach is obviously retired Um, so yeah that's that's one thing that's kind of lacking in it this year so um, I guess you just watch the stages and listen to Sean Kelly and all that, but it's 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 lovely to have on in the background. I think and like obviously it's stages are long. 
uh, it departs from uh, the great French town of Copenhagen today if anybody's mm. looking forward to where there was a, a raid in Brambu last night as well of one of the teams yeah, yeah. That, that's the Bahrain victorious team under the mm. microscope and I think they've been under the microscope in the past as well the, so the, the one thing I would say about cycling is that as as somebody who's even tried to go up a hill like it's it's uh, it's, it's hard to believe the effort that these lads it's insane. it's insane so even if you have your suspicions about anyone like you know helping himself in terms of what he achieves even park those for a minute and just realise that they do insane things in a bike like insane and uh, like it must be the most one of the most extreme sports out there yeah I think it's possible to be highly sceptical and also totally appreciate some of the stuff that you do see on the screen I think think those two things can exist and I think just maybe some fans don't allow themselves to accept that don't necessarily don't get bogged down in that because like they're still suffering regardless of what they're doing they're suffering like and I I, I don't know what the situation is with drugs and cycling now but they are suffering um, one last thing I just wanted to get your take on before the weekend. Uh, now, this is a, probably a deep cut for off-the-ball fans, but the, uh, those some people might realise that Johnny Ward is also a massive fan of national anthems. You've got like this yeah, encyclopedic yeah. knowledge of national anthems. Is it true that you can sing every single anthem in I the world? I know the melody of a lot of them. Like, you know the melody of a lot of them. Like the obscure ones will be. So tomorrow, five past eight Irish time, the melody of the New Zealand's national anthem will ring around Eden Park. Mm. How will it go? God defend New Zealand. Is that what it's called? Mm. It's not a bad like. <laughs> and so on. No, yeah. hi, if it does ring a bell. To be fair, it's a well-known national anthem. Yeah, it's, that that's not an obscure one for you, is it? No, but you see, like mainly national anthems are when you when you meet like a taxi driver and you don't get many Kiwi taxi drivers. Uh, in in apparently, and this is an interesting thing. Apparently, in this horrible world of climate change that we're living in, two countries that are extremely well served in terms of hopefully dealing with it are Ireland and New Zealand. They're like they're going to be two of the best places to live in the world because we don't get like extreme heat, extreme cold, and unless and of course we're entirely submerged in water. There is that, but that that'll that'll take at least twenty years. So we have yeah, we'll have. Uh, People people know this better than me, but I think Ireland and New Zealand are two of the places where like we I've, I genuinely believe there's going to be a, a massive climate um, like migration of people because they can't live in certain places. Like the Horn of Africa, it's already be, becoming there, and Ireland not in the not distant future at all will have to deal with massive uh, queues of people wanted to live here because you can live here, in my view, and New Zealand as well. Interesting. Mm. I thought that the islands are a place to leave. Sorry, just one more thing on on the anthem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like I mean, we can we can talk about climate change if you want. No, I mean, no, we go can, ahead. We can, we can go ahead. Where where does it rank in terms of the great uh, national anthem? New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, be middle of the road. Middle now. of the road. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Not one of the greats. Um, be better than Ireland's call. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I did like Mary Lou McDonald's uh, line where she was like, I mean, Sinn Fein this year for the first time they they uttered the words Northern Ireland, Michelle O'Neill, which was seismic, uh, and you know, um, Mary Lou was asked about, uh, would you would you be okay with the new national anthem? And like, oh, by the way, our national anthem is is shite, like, so we should be changing it anyway for United Ireland. But Mary Lou was like, oh, absolutely, as long as it's not Ireland's call. So Ireland have already gone one 0 up on New Zealand, or sorry, gone one 0 down to New Zealand. It seems. In terms of the, the national anthem, national anthem yeah. battle, which is obviously key. it'll be a middle of the road it battle is, now. Uh, Seven forty nine. You're with us here on OTBAM. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Ronan O'Gara, a very good morning. How are you keeping? Um, Johnny, good morning. You've had your coffee this morning, anyway. You're full of beans. <laughs> me or me or sorry, I miss that. <laughs> me, Ronan, is it? Both of you. You're in good form for it's an hour behind where you are. So it's only about ten to eight, is it? So you're. 
Yeah. Well, I actually thought you were in studio this morning for a while, so I was, I was, I, I got up extra early and everything. But then yeah, I was told you, I, you did a few extra press ups and yeah. a few uh, sit ups and. Uh, Burpees, I like it. Good man, Johnny. Burpees, like yeah, it. God. You, ju- you just missed his uh, rendition of the New Zealand National Anthem. So the blood is mm-hmm. pumping here in studio for a massive uh, three-test uh, series. Can, can I ask you, first of all, Ronald, about uh, the All Blacks and just about maybe the culture that you would have absorbed in your time, uh, during your time in New Zealand. Like, it, it does strike me that after the winter that they've had, it would be a very All Blacks thing for them to completely come out of the, the traps racing this summer and just not not to lay down a marker as such but to have taken everything that they've learned from those Ireland and France games in particular last November and we see all the lessons corrected over the course of this three test series yeah there's a fair amount to get through there and what you've addressed I think uh, what jumps out at me straight away is I was kind of trying to analyse the game and um, you look at obviously the models are quite similar but uh what is probably, and I probably know New Zealand players better than the Irish players because I've kind of coached them more recently for a period of time. But um, I think what's gone completely under the radar over here is that um, Scott Robertson has let, led the Crusaders to a six-peat. So there's very few sporting organisations in any sport that have achieved that in the modern professional era, Okay. But yet you look at the 23 playing tomorrow for New Zealand and uh, I think there's only, um, is it six starters, which means there's nine non-Crusaders players and I think there's only two more on the bench. But if you look at it in terms, I suppose, the dominant force in Irish rugby has been Leinster and uh, they're obviously loaded in the Irish team. So for me... um, from what I do know from spending time down there and looking from afar, I think the New Zealand team is far from established. It's far from proven. I think they're 15 months out from a World Cup yet. Um, in a lot of the selection, there'll be a lot of uncertainty because I think uh, <clears throat> what is ob- obvious and evident for me is that I probably, my first season there, my second last season there would have been... Um, a brilliant tie-over when a lot of the legends of the game, I think, finished up. You look at Owen Franks, Kieran Reid, uh, obviously Richie McCall was in and around the environment, Matt Todd, Ryan Crotty, uh, Tim Bateman, who's probably not well-known, but he had a uh, an incredible rugby brain on him, uh, Israel Dagg. Um, so, uh, you know, Dan was in and around the environment. A, a lot of, I suppose, um, really experienced established leaders not alone in the Crusaders set up but in the All Blacks set up that, had, that were I suppose stepping away from the top table now it seems to me that they're uh, I suppose trying to establish a new team epitomised by um, you know I mean who's their number 10 uh, Richie Mwanga uh, plays magic rugby for the Crusaders yet I don't think we see the real Richie in the black jersey that we see for the Crusaders so they're going with Bowden Barrett but his brother Jordy can goal kick which helps him because you know there are very few rugby players like Bowden Barrett in the world but exactly his heel would be goal kicking um, but that's I suppose softened by the fact that his brother can step up and uh, bang him over from 60 yards This has been a conversation that's been happening for a, a while so that they've been trying to, to figure out how to fill that certain void of leadership certainly when you compare it to the, the, the great teams of the early part of the last decade and 
I guess they're still trying to figure that out even if you go back to, to the last World Cup maybe that conversation around tennis is certainly something that you would have been having around 2019 so is that a little bit of a, an issue for them at the moment that these repetitive questions still haven't been answered? It has to be because only if you even step back another World Cup cycle before that and even before that like the midfield was Carter, Nanu, Smith for 10 years you know so mm. an awful lot of I think if you were to whatever go into uh, a pub outside um, anywhere on the in Grafton Street and take a poll about name the New Zealand team to play Ireland it would be fascinating I'd say the variety of different teams you'd have there's some players that we're not even that familiar with there are other guys you mean that are playing for New Zealand tomorrow that have done very little in the in Super Rugby yes uh, they're looking to, I suppose, uh, prove themselves at, um, at at test level. You, you mean uh, the Crusaders have been dominant in Super Rugby? Super Rugby is very, very different to Test Rugby because Super Rugby, as we know, there's a lot of space in Test Rugby tomorrow. You won't see space really in the pitch. Uh, so, I think, for example, the back line. Um, you look at it; it's they would have trained very, uh, very few times together, let alone played together. So. In terms of, I suppose, you're looking at, I suppose, the potential of the New Zealand team versus the solidity or the proven uh, combinations that Ireland have. Is that something then that you kind of have to make a decision on this year? That whoever, that Ian Foster, when when he looks at that backline, has to say or have a very good idea of what his backline is going to be heading to France next year? Because as you say, it's that cohesion, it's that understanding that is as important as the, the individual qualities. I think it is, yeah, but it's it's difficult when you have so many, I suppose, good players, but uh, who can become great? If you become great, I think you get a hold of the black jersey. That's probably been the, the mantra for them uh, for so many number of years. Uh, but you look at the probably who isn't playing tomorrow as well. You know, the back line that could play a New Zealand A versus New Zealand B would be uh, very, very interesting because you can go... You know, TJ Perinara, Moanga, Havili, Goodhu, George Bridge. Um, um, <clears throat> you can play uh, Will Jordan at 15 and um, any number of wingers on, on the right wing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Quintipau at 12 is very much, uh, I suppose, in unproven territory. Ricky Aoni is a phenomenal athlete, uh, but the nuances of playing 13 are... are are very um, uh, difficult to probably um, comprehend, especially I think uh, Ireland will find joy in the fact that the, a number of the New Zealanders would be would be man watchers as opposed to ball watchers. So, if for people interested maybe in the technical side of the game, you you watch. I think a lot of European players will defend the ball. A lot of Southern Hemisphere teams defend the man. So. What that essentially means is that I have this guy in front of me, irrespective of whether he has the ball or not. But if he doesn't have the ball, sometimes it becomes uh, a wasted resource. And the fact that um, I'm staying on him, irrelevant whether he gets the ball or not. But I think the game defensively has moved to where uh, if you have, I suppose, a cohesive unit watching the ball together, you need the ball to score. So I find that a more beneficial way of defending but I think New Zealand are in transition uh, from I think coaching uh, training uh, sorry coaching watching the man to watching the ball so 
it'll be interesting for me, I suppose, just as an outsider watching what way they're going about that because uh, Ireland are smart under Johnny Sexton, Ireland are smart under everything they learned from Joe Schmidt and now I think with a new probably uh, layer to their attacking game, it could pose a few more problems for New Zealand that it would have in previous, I suppose, journeys to the to the, to the South Island. So, so you think that you expect New Zealand to transition towards more European style of defence? Um. I don't know. That's the only thing that came into my head. I'd be fascinated to see that. You could see in certain tests that their line speed was huge. Uh, it wouldn't have been their norm before. They would have kind of pushed up and used the, the touchline as a defence. But now you find in test rugby, it's very hard to get the ball off teams because uh, so many of the international teams are so accurate around the ruck. So uh, holding on to the ball is is easy once you had it. I think when you're defending nowadays in rugby, you kind of have to make a dent in the first two phases, otherwise you're going to be defending for a long time. Hence, flip that on its head. If you if you defend well, the first two collisions, usually the team with the ball, if it becomes slow, have to kick it on, and that's why you see so much kicking in Test rugby. Okay, um, I'm not sure how much of the the Mary game you saw the other day, Ronan. Is it something that that worries you at all? No, I saw the game, but I think it was missed opportunity for a certain amount of players. Uh, obviously, they were probably. Uh, in a zone where they had everything to gain, but uh, they looked like um, that they kind of struggled with, I suppose, the pace that New Zealand put on the ball from turnover. Um, I thought their carry game was uh, from New Zealand was impressive and their change of speed was very impressive. Um, Ireland missed, a, I think, a few uh, tackles they'd be disappointed with and... Um, I mean that's the beauty of, of um, watching a, a New Zealand team whether it's June in the Northern Hemisphere or June in the Southern Hemisphere their skill levels don't change their capacity to handle the ball under pressure in poor weather conditions I think sets them apart from a lot of other nations Just in, in general on this, like this time of year how hard is it for the Irish players to maintain that levels of intensity and physicality after a long season? I don't believe it's a long season though. I think everything is very mapped and very well organised. These are test players where every minute now with GPS and with data is very, very carefully planned. So, uh, you you know, you go back a month ago and it was all the talk going to New Zealand and the chance to create history. There's been a poor performance against the Maori, against boys that have nothing probably to do with the test team. So I wouldn't read anything into that. Um, These guys are obviously managed under the central model where the IRFU are in control of of what they do. So everything um, in their player load and in their management, Johnny, would be uh, started from probably six nations. How do we win that? Then how do we win a test in New Zealand? And then European Cup, URC. Uh, and that's, un- unless it has changed since uh, my day, but it was very well organised when I was there and now you're, you're 10 years on and everything has advanced so I think um, it would be uh, very I'd say disappointing for Andy Farrell if, if he found some of his players talking about being tired because uh, you know they, they, there aren't any players near 30 games I would think 
what's interesting when we look back on the, the game against the Maoris is the, the ability maybe of, of Kieran Frawley to just get a bit more game time under his belt over the next few months obviously he's played a lot of his rugby at 12 over the last season Ronan did you see that in his performance at 10 the last day that he just needs more reps at 10 yeah he just needs more games he needs more minutes he needs to make mistakes in that position he needs to be put into pressure situations more often I, I was fascinated I, I didn't realise how young he was you know he looks very calm very composed and seems to have time in the ball which a lot of great players exhibit from the moment they take the pitch he doesn't seem flustered um, I think there was probably some areas of the game where I think he had preconceived ideas and he decided to go through with it in terms of maybe kicking uh, cross kicks but I think that will come too, you know. I think, uh, like, he'll be incomparable if he was to play another game and another game and another game in number 10. I think once you get a body of work of four or five games built up, then then we'll have a, a much better idea um, if Kieran Frawley is, um, you know what I mean, suitable, which I think he is, to make a, a big dent at test level. What... What's not, I suppose, very interesting is the fact that he goes back to the RDS and he plays four games against um, a different opposition. At where 12. The outcome, no, or even at 10, where the outcome is 50 points to 12 or 46 points to 13. But the reality is that he won't get those games at 10, even at the RDS, like if we're going on last season's form or last season's decision-making at Leinster. Yeah, but that's, that's what this tour is about, Owen. I think this is where you put your hand up and this is where you need to kick the door down and this is where you say, OK, well, I think I have a decision to make here. Am I looking to to be a, a top-class 12? If I'm looking to be a top-class 12, then I'm going to uh, challenge Robbie Henshaw and Bundiaki for that position. If I want to be a top-class 10, I need to play 10. It's not going to be possible to be to not play from my club position and get selected at a higher level to 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 uh, to get my uh, position as a number 10. He needs game time. So that's the big decision, I think, for him in the off-season, irrespective of how the end of this end of this trip goes from where where am I going to get 25 games a season playing number 10 and is it his decision though like like is it not up to the coaches at Leinster and it's not up to Andy Farrell because it seems that one has made the decision to to play him at 10 and one's made a decision to play him at 12 no there of course it's that's that's if he's in contract on and that's Mm. if he's if he's um you know I mean, only he can make that decision. But there comes a time, as you know, with all sports people, the only people who can decide are the individual. So once the individual uh, signs and is committed to the to the project, then obviously, if you're the coach, you have to do what's best for the team as well. You have to do what's best for him. So it means he'd be playing a bit of ten and twelve. But mm. I think for he himself, he has probably uh, a few um, tough questions to ask himself. As in a, a good way yeah of course in an opportunistic way sorry is the question basically do I want to play at 10 and if the answer is yes do I have to leave Leinster to get that um, I, I think the question is yeah do I want to be a test 10 if I want to be a test 10 and I haven't been played in that position for the last two years then I need game time week in, week out. 
but uh, you know he can force the hand of, of of a lot of people in no matter what club he's in I think because he's such a good player that um, you know what I mean he at the minute he's behind the two Burns and he's behind Johnny but mm. um, you mean we're, we're speculating on what hasn't happened with four massive games ahead of him? Sure. No, it's a, it's it's just a really interesting question given that uh, it feels a little bit frustrating the conversation around uh, sex and succession. Just uh, even just with some of the, the bad luck that the likes of Carberry and Harry Byrne in particular have had with injuries over the last little while, and it's not just because Sexton is one of the most famous or, or most well-known uh, characters in Irish sport. It's because it genuinely is a fascinating debate at the moment as to what situation Ireland will be in at out half come next year's World Cup yeah it is you're dead right it's 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 uh, very obvious f- for everyone that um, you know I mean the, the time now is is uh, who's going to be able to to wear that number 10 jersey if if Johnny picks up an injury if Johnny loses form if or if um, someone comes out of the pecking order and pushes hard for that starting spot how do Ireland win this game tomorrow? Um, by taking away New Zealand's time and space. I think that's the absolute key um, for me. I think uh, what you cannot do to uh, a lot of New Zealanders with their space and with their times, you can't give them that extra second to make decisions. So in terms of I suppose attacking without the ball, you have to press hard and leave the space on the outside. Yeah, their skill level may be good enough to get the ball there, but I think that will only come about off a short attacking kicking game if the line is 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 fast and connected. Uh, and with the ball, I think um, I think uh, Ireland will find opportunities with the ball. I genuinely believe that. I think if they can kind of stretch them beyond the fifteen meters on both sides. Uh, I think they'll find um, a bit of joy in one or two defenders uh, hopefully getting uh, attracted to men as opposed to towards the ball Got to put one comment to you here listener Bart Connolly has been in touch to say would La Rochelle take Frawley? <laughs> La Rochelle take yeah he's a great player yeah of course they will but our um, recruitment is done Okay Okay, right, I see. Give us a prediction for the series then. What's it going to be, scoreline? Um, I can't even give you a prediction for tomorrow's game. Mm. I'm be fascinated to see the first 10 minutes. I just want to really enjoy, I suppose. It's great actually not being involved in a big game, being able to watch it on a Saturday morning. Um, I, I'd be fascinated to see how, how it starts, but I, I, I genuinely believe that there's a big opportunity for Ireland. I think uh, when you strip back I suppose what's behind, you know, in my day, so many of us, whatever way we were brought up, made the big error of playing the jersey as opposed to playing the person that's in the jersey. And I think uh, Ireland will be smart to realise uh, once you get the kind of, I suppose, detailed information on, on, on the players they're facing. Yeah, they're good players, but like anyone else, uh, there's, a, there, there's a result to be had if if Ireland are top of their game Ronald O'Gara great stuff as ever thanks a million for being with us cheers lads
Thanks, enjoy William. the down after the coffees. <laughs> see you, Johnny. Cheers. All the best. <laughs> what did he say to enjoy? Uh, enjoyed the chat after the coffees. We're wired, apparently, this morning. The, um, let's give up, like, pints or coffee. What would you give up? Pints. Yeah, I'd be the same. Definitely. I think I I just find it... I, I, like coffee's just... I'm so... It's like it's part of your day you now at so many points today, particularly the morning. It'd be hard to realise, like... You get withdrawal symptoms almost you don't have it. Like you can get alcohol in other ways as well. <laughs> it's ten past eight in the morning, oh. It is. You've yeah. given me my uh, timestamp, and OTBAM has brought Very you sure. live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We've got loads coming up over the course of the next little while. We're going to be looking ahead to the All-Ireland Hurling semi-finals with Noel Connors. We're going to have our quick picks. We're going to have a crappy quiz after nine o'clock. Up next, we are chatting to Sophie Becker. OTB. Uh, you're very welcome back. It is uh, Owen and Johnny Ward with you in studio. And Sophie Becker is with us in studio as well. Johnny was just trying to prize some information out of you there about how the student bar in DCU currently is. You don't know, obviously, because you're an elite athlete. I've never stepped inside it in my life. <laughs> my fingers are crossed when I say that. <laughs> well, your entire university experience is probably COVID-based, is it? No, um, oh. I got first, second and third year and then my fourth year. And I kind of, I split my fourth year over two years for athletics. So my fourth year, 1.0, and my fourth year 2.0 were um, COVID based but but I still got like a university experience Uh, A lot of conversations that we have with Irish athletes involves a decision between either staying in Ireland or going to the United States it does feel that there's a generation of young Irish athletes coming through at the moment that have decided to stay put here because some of those university programmes are that good and uh, the athletic programmes organised nationally are, are that good is that the truth? Is that what's happening at the moment? Yeah like I think Obviously, some people, they have it in their head from a young age. They want to go abroad and there's no there's no change in that. But I think, like, I, I suppose I wasn't good enough at the time, so I didn't really have a choice. I, I decided to stay in Ireland. And But I think, like, DCU, where I went to college, UL, like, there's a lot of sporting universities that are really focusing on athletics in particular. Like, we had, I think the varsities were on there a few weeks ago. And, like, you can see people, the universities are investing into them. There's good programs, there's scholarships academic health or academic help um, physio help and I think like they're kind of focusing and seeing we want to keep people in Ireland because I think once if you can keep the athlete in Ireland like it's yeah I think it's really good to try grow the athlete in Ireland Yeah because you're nurturing them for the national team or for, for whatever it may be there's there's a sense of a lack of control when, when they go abroad yeah look some people are able to they navigate their way through it no bother but I think you do see some athletes coming home like injured and a bit kind of broken maybe that's obviously not saying everybody but you have heard different athletes speak about that because the American system obviously I'm speaking from zero experience in it mm-hmm. but from what I hear like it's you keep churning different athletes out they have so much choice and yeah if you get injured you might fall by the wayside what do you mean that uh, you weren't good enough to get a shout to the States? Because somebody who has uh, represented Ireland at the Olympic Games uh, doesn't strike me as somebody who's not good enough to get that shout. <laughs> well, believe it or not, I can't look. I was a good junior athlete. Um, I made, I got some national medals, but I never made it to like European juniors or world juniors um, but then when I moved to DCU for college I changed training group and I met my current coach Jeremy and Jared O'Donnell and um, since then I suppose just having access to like a track and just a more maybe structured training plan I finally kind of got the opportunity to blossom I suppose and um, yeah I got my first international cap then at 21 which 
I suppose this might be a bit on the later side for other athletes you know they've been getting it since they were 16, 17 but I feel like it hasn't really impacted me you know like I said I made it to the Olympics so um, yeah no so a bit of a late bloomer but I think it's worked in my favour So like does is, is that normal then or is like is the, is the coaching that important that you change your, your style of coaching or whatever is that like was that what you put it mainly down to? Yeah look I suppose the training that I had back home it was very my coach at the time he did a great job Mm. but like you know I was training on just a grass patch I was only training like maybe once or twice a week like just I went from baby from kind of like uh, you know a decent enough setup to a more high performance setup just like a more structured training and like um, endurance work which I'd never done beforehand you know I saw myself as a sprinter all I'm going to do is sprint whereas to be a 400 metre runner you have to do a lot more than just sprinting you know there's a lot of like gym work and endurance work in it So, What does the endurance work entail then? Um, a lot of pain a lot of tears uh, so that's usually in the winter time we do kind of 400s, 500s and 600s. Um, yeah, we, the session could be 600, 500, 400, 300, 200 and dif- different kind of alternations of that, really, yeah. Mm. When did that start? When did that realisation that insur- endurance was going to be one of the more important parts of your training start? Yeah, probably when I was in first year of college, I finally, I met endurance for the first time okay, that winter season. endurance in college in first year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, when I, that's when I met at first, so um, yeah. Um, that transformation, so is it like a, a situation where like before that it's like I'm just relying to a certain degree on talents and speed and, and that's it. Did you, did you notice yourself that maybe that element was missing or did it take somebody to pull you aside and say, listen, this this is the missing part? Yeah, no, I think I was just going along, you know, I was just happy to be there, happy to be running and I think it just, yeah, over time I was obviously doing the training I wasn't really asking much questions Jeremy my coach was just saying this is the training and I was doing it and over time I was seeing I was improving so I think it was then I realised okay yes there is other elements than just sprinting that go into um, making a good athlete and even just stuff like I was living with other athletes like like minded people you pick up different nutrition tips sleep tips just stuff like that and being in an environment I suppose with people who are the same as you Anybody who would have seen the uh, 400 metres at the national championships last week would have seen that the the end of that race was was pretty interesting. Like yourself versus Phil Healy going down the home stretch, that's where the training comes in, right? Like, I mean, uh, that that is the part where I presume you go to that dark place to try and get yourself over the line. Yeah, no, any any 400 metre athletes know that's a very very dark place. Like the the lactic that I had in my legs coming off that home straight, I thought I was going to fall over. Like really? it was, yeah, and the pain afterwards. I don't think that was shown on TV, but I was just keeled over on the ground, rolling around with lactic in pain. But no, it's it's part of it. But yeah, I think that's like um, the end of my race, as you said. Um, I literally had to dig very deep for that, and that's something that I've only kind of discovered this year is the strength in my last 50 metres beforehand I would have maybe died off a bit kind of at 300 metres but um, yeah I've kind of developed my speed endurance which I'm glad because it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while The reason you're in studios is because the Morton Games are happening this weekend in Santry anybody who can get to it absolutely should it's one of the, the best events in the Irish sporting calendar is it going to be yourself against Phil again this weekend? No, no so unfortunately Phil isn't do, 
doing Morton Games right. but there's other international athletes coming over who are around the same time as me yeah. so I'm sure it'll still be a, a very intense race and hopefully there'll be a full crowd there as well So what is your preparation going into a weekend like this then? Yeah so um, I don't usually start off a race weekend with an interview so this is a <laughs> this is a first Anomaly yeah <laughs> Yeah but uh, so yeah I will do a shakeout as I call it later on today just kind of a general warm up just to get my body moving um, stretch out and stuff like that so that'll probably take about half an hour 40 minutes and then I'll just go home and take it pretty chill you know nothing I won't do anything too crazy today just try and rest up and then tomorrow then it's race day so my race isn't until 8pm so I think it starts at 6pm and it runs over two hours so my race is at 8pm and um, sorry it starts at 7 I'm wrong yeah (laughs) so my race is at 8 so it'll be a slow slow morning um, take my time and um, yeah I'll head down to the track then around uh, probably 6 o'clock to start my warm up and preparation and yeah we'll just go from there How do you become a 400 metre runner? Like so it's it's obviously very in in the middle like so it's like you, you must have you need, need, almost need to have every trait I guess like yeah I think it kind of chooses you <laughs> to okay. be honest yeah like I started off as a 100 and 200 meter sprinter um, but I just wasn't quite fast enough for that but I like the speed like I hate anything long distance like okay. if, any, if you ask anybody I complain if I have to jog for five minutes like <laughs> I I know I'm a runner but I'm not really is a runner a thing or is it <laughs> no it is definitely yeah. I just get so distracted attention span and whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah I think like I wasn't fast enough for the 100 and 200 so the next step is 400 and thankfully like I've just built up my base my strength over the last few years and I've ended up being a 400 metre runner but some athletes might come down from like 800 with the endurance and like might work on their speed then to become a 400 metre runner so it's really in the middle you can be more sprint based or endurance based and how like so how do your sectionals work in a 400 metre race then like so what do you do at the end yeah like so 100, 200, 300 what are you doing at the end like then yeah so you're going through that pain barrier like yeah (laughs) that's kind of the mental part to be honest Mm -hmm. like you just have to keep pushing I work with a sports psychologist and that's something that we've really worked on because I knew it was like a weakness of mine was the last 100 metres wow Um, yeah so like the first 100 you're kind of you only really feel the pain I do anyway at 300 and that's when you really kind of I think it's mind over matter at that stage what Mm. are you thinking of in those moments what keeps you going Uh, well at the weekend I was just thinking don't fall over that was literally what was going through my head but um, look I've I have this is that was my second national title but it was my first time ever running against Phil like at that that level like that so I suppose I really wanted to I wanted the gold you know that's what kind of kept me going I wanted a national title to my name it's pretty good motivation I, I think yeah. when you see like the Tour de France starts today as well that's so true of like the a lot of races are won just by sheer like it's men- mental it's just like there's so much like I don't know if you follow cycling but they go through torture like as you can imagine you yeah. know? so it's like that the the psych- the, the sports um, chat stuff is interesting to me that you thought that would help like and be beneficial to have somebody talk to you and help you in that regard yeah like I started working with um, Jesse my sports psychologist about two years ago I just mm. was really kind of struggling with confidence Jesse Barr Barr, exactly Mm. yeah I was struggling with confidence and just like a bit of self-belief coming up to races and like that would nearly like over like take over me and I wouldn't race well and yeah started working with her about two years ago and I really think this year it's really all just come into motion like I just finally have like a bit of I think it's yeah self-belief that's kind of getting me over the line and just like the confidence that um I can get there um like 
say I broke the 52 second barrier there a few weeks ago and that was something that I never thought I could do but this year I was just like you know what I I can actually do that and um, yeah so I think sports psychology is like you can be a really talented athlete but if your mind's not in it I think yeah it's you're at a loss so you were 56.2 seconds in 2016 and is, is, is 52 like a holy grail type thing? Yeah, anything, anything kind of 53, 52, 51, any kind mm-hmm. of number, any 50 like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, but to get, there's only been a handful of athletes, of Irish athletes who have gone sub 52. So mm. I can now call myself one of them as well. It's really interesting that you said that you thought you couldn't do it. Um, at what point do you realise you can do it? Is it when it, when it actually happens? <laughs> I think so, yeah. When I crossed the line and saw Sophie Becker, 51A3, I was like, oh my God, I've, I've finally done it. And then once you do it once, I think you're kind of like, well, I've done it once, like surely I can do it again. So I, you need, yeah, I think so. Right, very interesting. Like, I mean, because that kind of leads to the next question of what else do you think you can't achieve? Because, I mean, you probably can achieve it then. <laughs> uh, yeah, reverse psychology, is that what we'll call it? Um, yeah, like, look, I the goal over the next few years, obviously Paris is in 2024 and I want to be on that team. I was in Tokyo last year with the mixed relay, so I really hope I'd love to be in Paris um, on the relay again, but also individually and, you know, advance advance through the rounds. Like once you're there, anything can happen. That time would have got you to a semi-final in the 400 metres last year, I think. Possibly. I actually <laughs> I actually don't know that. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, so, yeah, look, that's promising. It's another two years away, so hopefully I can chip away with it, chip away at it a bit. That mixed relay last year, I'm not sure if you saw it, Johnny, was, was the highlight of the athletics uh, section of it. Like, whoever came up with that idea, it's just an absolute genius. It was it was so fun to watch. Mm. Um, to, like, you're, you're doing it again in Oregon, obviously, this year for the World Championships. You've been uh, selected on, on that team. Like, I mean, this, I'm not sure, is it something that you can actually practice as, as a whole? Is it something that you kind of, you're focused on yourself a little bit more? The mixed relay kind of is something of an afterthought? Or, or how do you approach that now, having seen the success that you got in Tokyo? Yeah, I think it's definitely not an afterthought because the success, like you said, it brought so much success in Tokyo and it shows like if you do focus on a relay, you can get. We were the first Irish relay team ever at an Olympics, never mind an Olympic final. So I think if you focus on it, you can definitely succeed. And um, it's the same again this year. Um, It's like it's cool, though, with the relay because the panel is constantly changing. You know, people are running faster. Someone mightn't be running as well this year. So it's constantly changing. Like the relay team that ran in Tokyo, it's different this year than the one that's going to be in Oregon so it's nice you know you're running with different people Uh, but I think the main thing is you do individually want to be running well because that will mean that you get on the relay team then so I suppose yeah you are looking at how you're running individually because you know it's going to benefit the relay then Just in terms of young athletes like is the scholarship model effectively the way to go in that it gives you that kind of opportunity to I mean we've had chats here about how difficult it is for athletes to actually just sustain themselves financially and so on and you know as particularly if you're young I presume like some kids out there they're going to gravitate towards different sports but like he or she might realise I'm actually a 400 metre runner here so how do, how do we kind of how do we marry that up going forward in Ireland do you think? Yeah I like I it's it's a tough one um, because athletics I suppose athletics is a much smaller sport in Ireland compared to football or rugby or anything like that like you could have some amazing 400 metre runners playing GAA mm. or something and they just don't know it like I think schools have a lot to 
like if maybe athletics is encouraged more in schools. Yeah, how do you, like how yeah. young do you get that? Because like you know, I mean, David Clifford, I, I presume, could have been an amazing soccer player or whatever. But like you know, even even with cyclists, are are loads of different sports that like I, I think it, it must be key just to get people at a very young age trying everything yeah. and seeing you know. Because, yeah. like, say, say, like, how does the average girl end up running 400 metres? You know, like, that's yeah. what I'm kind of wondering. Yeah, like, I suppose, just even using myself as an example, mm-hmm. I did, I, I was thrown into everything when I was growing up. I had no skill, though, when it came to, like, football or hurling or anything like that. So I suppose this process of elimination, I was fast, so I ended up doing... <laughs> really, um, running, yeah. yeah? oh, God, shocking. Like, I that's can't mad. keep the ball to save my life. <laughs> Isn't it mad? Like you're you're an incredibly high performing athlete, but sport just wasn't for you. Field yeah. sport, that's yeah. mad. Like yeah, so like there yeah. could be, but that's the thing. Like there could be other athletes or other say girls even, for example, who are like oh, I'm I hate sport. I'm so bad at sport, but they haven't tried athletics or swimming. Like I think a lot of the time in schools, maybe it's kind of sold that it's just GAA kind of and mm. um, that or GAA and like ball sports that are the only way forward whereas like there's so much more out there so look I don't know how like uh, teachers are under so much pressure as it is they're doing so much but like maybe guest speakers kind of I think coming in to talk and inspire people like I'm just looking like yourself at, yeah like I'd <laughs> happily I, I am up that. for grabs yeah, yeah. <laughs> sneaky plug there yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like yeah I think when I was in first year like if I had an athlete whatever like swimmer whatever coming mm. in like I was you know at that age you're so easily influenced and you want to be influenced in the right way so I think definitely guest speakers is a way to go about it um, to but it's people. also the fact that like you know there are a lot of kids out there who are struggling confidence wise and when sports when you become good at sport it can change everything you know and there are lots more sports out there than I mean imagine if you just never took up running like yeah. you would have just been oh she wasn't great at camogie whatever do you know and look at you now I know exactly because I did start off playing like um, camogie and football and like it was great, you know, on a social level, but I suppose for my confidence, I was like, I just can't. I'm left-handed as well, so I put that into the fact that I couldn't hit the <laughs> that I couldn't hit the ball. But I don't think that's a good excuse. But I'd be coming home like I just can't hit the ball like with the with the hurl, and I'd be so deflated. Whereas, like, yeah, maybe if there was another sport out there at the time. Well, like, when was your eureka moment in terms of yeah, I could actually run here? Um, like pro. I didn't grow up being like I want to go to the Olympics like mm. I, I was always just doing running and I was like oh this is fun like I might medal here I might run a PB here but I suppose like my eureka moment was probably when I was going to the Olympics maybe um, like no I, I'd say yeah maybe two years ago I don't really? know yeah so you were like 22 at that stage yeah yeah That's 22 mad. yeah like I was making I was going to say like I said I went to my first championships at 21 but I was just kind of there going through the motions I wasn't really like oh I can do this I deserve to be here again I suppose a confidence thing you know working with Jesse kind of Mm. helped build that up as well so yeah it's only kind of been a recent enough um, revelation and was it just pure luck that you happened to lift us in an athletics club at home? Like, is there a, is there a, a, an alternate universe here where you're living somewhere else and it was just a GEA stronghold and they had nothing else? Um, yeah, no. So there was, there was a small athletics club um, in, near where I live and it just... I think I was just begging my parents, could I go and give it a go? Like, because you know it's school sports days. I'd like won them and stuff, and I thought it was great run, running or winning them. So um, I suppose yeah, I was like, I'm fast. Let me let me join that. Like, I think there is athletics <laughs> clubs scattered everywhere. They're obviously just not as popular as um, you know your Gaelic clubs, your soccer clubs. 
it's mad how niche this is as well that like you would struggle over a thousand and you'd find that like just too long oh. like 400 metres is as you say 52 seconds and it, like there's something for everyone there really isn't there yeah. like oh absolutely like it's just even when you said a thousand metres like I remember in lockdown when we had those 5k's that people were being tagged in the fear I was terrified that I was going to be tagged in a 5k because I <laughs> right. wouldn't I'd be walking it and then you had to post your time they'd be like Sophie Becker's after taking two hours to do a 5k like what's this about so like yeah no there really is something for everyone which is great because like I think in most of their sports you know there's like one kind of body type or like one thing that's like suited to whereas in mm. running like you can have literally every build every size every well it's mad Annalise Murphy's gone mad in cycling now like and she's taken to it like a proverbial duck to water and uh so she would do a lot of the routes that like a lot of my mates would do and you'd be like looking on in envy at how she's just taken to it like that from sailing like but um, I, I find it fascinating that there are so many things out there for people that's like I always, I've always made this point about horse racing as well if, if you put 50 kids on, on a horse for a week I'd say half of them would just fall in love with it but they just don't do it and there's so many things I think as parents are so important that you need to encourage your child to try things and you'd never know where it'll bring you like because the, the average person is not going to become like an athlete do you know what I mean yeah no and like even look you might as a child you might do athletics and I might be like look that's not for me but I think the skills that you pick up in athletics like even mm. just like coordination mm, like, yeah stuff like that like I think nearly every child should just be thrown into athletics and if they never do it again that's grand but I think just the basis for every other sport we uh, we Tom Barr in a few years ago and uh, we got him to analyse Simon Zebo's running technique <laughs> and uh, I think I think Simon Zebo's was like absolutely the best of uh, the Munster players and even then it was kind of imperfect like mm. it's incredible to think like the extra yard of pace that you could teach to even GA players in rugby and I hate to bring it back to ball sports again here but like it just well, benefits so, everybody if, yeah. if there was like, like say Cl- Clifford's goal like last weekend like that's just you can't deal with that pace like and it's like if you could get another one percent on that yeah. with the actual mm. um, mechanics that I'm sure you've been taught from a from a young age then um, it just benefits everybody in in all different ways yeah no exactly and I think some like say rugby and GA coaches are kind of zoning in on that now like mm. I know. Uh, my coach Jer, he's working with a rugby team he's been recruited to work with a rugby team just to do simple like sprint drills uh, mechanics and stuff like right. that and like they've already seen an improvement that's in mad it. Yeah. Like, so w- would your coaching be different to Phil Healy's now like would, th- would there be little nuances there yeah like I think um, my coach and Phil's coach are very good friends so like mm. they kind of it's kind of the same basic plan but there'd be little things you know she'd be stronger in one area I'd be stronger in a different area so we'd like focus on different things our plans would be quite similar but then there could be another 400 meter runner whose training plan would be completely different like mm. there's no like set set way of doing it and even saying that like my training has changed so much over the years like my coach discovers oh this actually works really well for Sophie this doesn't work like it's kind of trial and error a lot learn on the job yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. really interesting so uh, next couple of days Morton Games one thing I wanted to circle back to is that what is it 7 o'clock 8 o'clock you're running tomorrow night yeah. how do you deal with that because I remember um, the the final of the mixed relay in Tokyo that was like that was really in the middle of the night Tokyo time because it was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon here it was, it, you didn't have to get up in the middle of the night here to watch it basically mm. how do you deal with that long uh, lay into a big race yeah like kind of uh, I suppose this season a lot of my races I raced at half 10 a few weeks ago that was crazy um, I, I think I'm not too bad in it because I train in the evenings most of the time like my training session would be 7, 8pm so my body's kind of already kind mm. of zoned into that um, a lot of napping I'll probably nap right. for a good bit tomorrow as well and uh, just take the day slowly it actually passes 
by quite quickly. But um, yeah, I suppose I kind of have developed a bit of a strat not a strategy, I suppose just a way that I kind of deal with my race day at this stage. And do you become a 400 metre runner then or do you have scope to say, you know, I, can, I could evolve into something different or is that, no, this is what I am now? I think this is what I am now. Mm-hmm. No, you, you found the see, niche yeah, like? You won't see me going over hurdles or being a 400 metre hurdler or anything like that. Like I, Why not? Um, my coordination, like I said, is <laughs> it's horrific. That's the camogie. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the, no, we'll, yeah, no, we'll, we'll just stick to the 400 metre like I do I delve into 60 metres 100 metres 200 metres every now and again because as I said I did start off as a short sprinter so I do want to keep that speed um, mm-hmm. um, tapped into that speed I haven't unfortunately gotten a chance to do that this year I do like dropping down to the shorter events but hopefully over the next few weeks even I might get to do a 100 or a 200 something like that Okay, brilliant. Um, well, just a reminder then, tomorrow, Saturday, the 2nd of July, at Morton Stadium, we have the Morton Games, uh, Santry, 7 o'clock. Uh, tickets are only a tenner, by the way, and they're available at the gate with under-16s free. It's absolutely worth going along to, if you, especially if you haven't been before. So, Sophie's going to be there, Sarah Lavin's going to be there, Louise Shanahan, Andrew Coskerin, Mark English, and they're all going to compete, uh, as Sophie said, against athletes from all over the world as well. So, uh, Sophie, great chatting to you. It's that, and then Oregon, I presume, is going to be your big lay-in over the next few weeks? Yep, that's, that's the way it goes and then hopefully the European Championships in August then. Fantastic. Great chatting to you. Thanks, William, for popping in. Thanks so much. Sophie Becker. So OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, now, today's the day. We're going to uh, see Johnny Ward making his return to the crappy quiz. You're probably wondering how Johnny got on last time he took part in the quiz during the dark days of January this year. Well, have a look at this. I'm uh, gradually losing the will to live here. Can we just get this over with? Says, no team are particularly ridiculous. The easy rapid fire round. What, what was the question again? That's correct. <sighs> Why did you even say that to me? Think Father Ted when he was asked the Pope's name. That's me, a quiz, to be fair. Like, I mean, there was no need to say that. The, the answer was correct. You could have said, you know, yes, and then I could have. Anyway. Do you have a pen and paper, Johnny? The second closest gets one point. Again, I'm going to say that we can only accept the answer that's written on your paper. I'm also going to ask for your pens once the news ends. I mean, so if you don't mind, have a pen here. I mean, give us the following number. Yeah, I wouldn't have uh, taken part if I knew Johnny was one of the contestants. It goes back to me here, does it? No, you're no, out. You're gone. Oh, that's well, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Where am I going here? We'll be out of your score in the previous round. There'll be 40 seconds for everyone to answer. Um, <laughs> the same set of questions. So we start with Nathan, then on to Will, and then on to Johnny. This is the gym moment from Father Ted, isn't it? No SOS needed for Will. Sanyo Sullivan. Yes, I like it, Johnny. I'm just trying to retrieve myself here because I've been so appallingly bad. I'm trying to imply that I know something about anything. There are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullshit. Ah, no, Emma, come on, don't don't be, no, I'm not, no. Welcome back. It is 8.37. We're going to have a look at the papers. If you just joined us, uh, Sophie Becker was just in studio. We'll get the full podcast up in a little while. But advise listening to it if you've, uh, if you're just joining us because it was a brilliant chat. Morton Games this weekend. Johnny, have you been? 
No, it's, the, la- the last time would have been at the Martin Stadium would have been for probably for a Shamrock Rovers game. So oh, yeah. a long time ago. So um, yeah, like uh, I know I know there's an element of you trying to promote something because like athletics is. I mean, it it, it doesn't necessarily register with people in in their normal lives, but like stuff like that, definitely. It's it. I uh, it's a, it, it would be a fun day out and. You know, if, if you're not, if like we're talking about trying different sports, but like uh, I, I went, to, I went from Crow Park to a wine tasting last weekend, and it was great fun. I never did that before. Try out new things in life, including going to athletics. And Sophie's just like I've, I've never met her before. She's absolutely infectious. Like, so you'd wish her the best. The, the Morgan Games one of the the great kind of uh, weekends of um, the Irish sports summer uh, mm. two thousand. I think it was. Um, I was I was there uh, as a child. We were up for two thousand. What age were uh, you then? Like six, five, six. We, we were up for the Kerry Armagh match. Can't remember was it the the drawn game or the replay, but we went out to the Athletics the day before the game on the Saturday anyway. Tanya Sullivan and, we, and I was there. I was in, in my Sydney two thousand gear. I was all kitted out for that year's. Olympic Games ready so I, I uh, went up to Sonia Sullivan to try and get a photo, and she rejected me. Well, uh, but but I did get a picture with another celebrity shortly thereafter. One. Bertie Ahern wow. so there's a picture of me in my Sydney 2000 top posing with Bertie Ahern at Morton Stadium in 2000 the proudest moment of my life did the Sonia snub affect you for years to come it did but yeah. she was in the zone I think it was before her race so that was a pretty stupid thing for me to do wasn't it sure. I mean, I mean, you, got, you got to know the decorum even if you're only five I, I actually think like maybe maybe Sophie has a game face but I would say she'd probably be like she just seems a very very happy person she'd be like oh, I'll, I'll pose for a photo with you. I would uh, I would assume game day changes people into into uh, competitive beasts all the time you in front of the microphone um, exactly Exactly, terrible to deal with. Uh, let's have a look at some of the newspapers this morning that we have in front of us. Uh, the Irish Daily Mail is the first one here. The next step is the headline here with a photograph of Johnny Sexton in training. Ireland target historic victory over the All Blacks. And Hamilton wants F1 old boys to be quiet. And uh, you've also got uh, the golf coverage in detail across all the papers. Larry loses his way on tricky first day as power leads Irish challenge. That's the Irish Daily Mail. The Irish Sun goes with that Hamilton story as their lead. F1 old boys want me out. Lewis says I stand firm against discrimination with uh, Nelson Piquet, Bernie Ecclestone and Jackie Stewart photographed as well on the back of the paper. Bruno says Pal Ron will stay, so Ronaldo will stay at the club, says Bruno Fernandez. Triple threat, Garot Hegarty has a treble in sight after a triple boost for Limerick. They've got a load of players back. And Ryan Fox is the leader uh, heading into today's Irish Open, is the headline there. The Irish Daily Star. Marty has the answer, is the headline here. Arsenal and Manchester United are locked in a tug of war to land Ajax star Lissandro Martinez. Uh, the defender is keen to move to the Premier League and Arsenal have already made three attempts to sign him. Now, counties penalised for Croker bust up is another story here. Galway and Armagh were last night pondering their next move after the CCCC meted out punishments following the Croke Park brawl. So, you can imagine Galway will want to get their act together quickly, get Sean Kelly off for yeah. next week. You know, in hindsight, like, the the last goal Armagh got, so Kieran Malloy was under the high ball and uh, Galway were essentially sons a full back and they didn't know what to do with it. Now, I think mentally they were a bit shot because of the goal situation, but Sean Kelly's red card, which was all, which was all a bit mad, like, it very, very nearly cost Galway place in the All-Ireland semi-final, I think. Yeah. I really think it did because, I don't know, if Sean Kelly were there, that third goal doesn't go in I mean it was like 
I, did, I listened to the Goo podcast recently, which I'd highly recommend, but I, I, in sporting terms, this was so Goo like it, it, it was the most bizarre set of events. Like, you couldn't make it up. Notwithstanding the brawl, it was like, mm. how have God we gotten into there? They're like seven points up in injury time, whatever it is. And then the third goal, you're like, and all happened in the same end. It's like, surely not. But Sean Kelly, surely he's gotten, you know, he should, he should get off. I he think. should do. I actually think, let's the, be fair, I think like, the brawl actually worked in Galway's favour. Maybe it did. I mean,. No, a fellow who was eye gouged had to take a penalty afterwards, which probably wasn't ideal, but anyway. Uh, the back of the Irish Mirror is Notice of Appeal. Tribe and Orchard have three days to decide response to punishments, and uh, rugby fan Fox hunts down an Irish double. So um, that's the story from Mount Juliet. The back of the Herald is Ten Hag goes double Dutch. United agree deals to bring De Jong and Malassia to Old Trafford. So Malassia joining from Feyenoord. De Jong obviously joining from Barcelona. And the back of the Irish Independent. Four players face Milibans is their headline there. Armaz Kelly set for lengthy suspension after CCCC concludes investigation. You've got Seamus Power and Shane Lowry there fist pumping on the back. Uh, of the paper and then Farrell defends medical team after Lockman controversy uh, Andy Farrell defending the Ireland medical team following uh, the, the controversy regarding uh, Jeremy Lockman to be fair it is the, the independent match day doctor who uh, makes the decisions of teams where, in these situations Where is rugby going in that regard Owen just because it's, it's um, I, I think it, I think it's it's, it's, it's it's something that just really puts a jolt to my system when I see stuff like that and I know rugby's been under the spotlight in particular from sports in terms of dealing with that but this just I mean I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking into this um, retrospectively but it does, it, there's a bit of an unsavoury tone to this there's been a yeah like there's been a statement released from New Zealand Rugby and they said NZR, NZR believes Ireland prop Jeremy Lockman should not have been allowed back onto the field during the first half while NZR stands by the HIA process in place and is satisfied that player welfare is the number one priority for medical staff at the match we have identified a gap in communications which meant critical video evidence was not fully accounted for as part of the HIA process undertaken by the independent match day medical team because that is the thing that we were all confused about is that Lockman clearly stumbled away from the incident and was but given a HIA. Like, so how is that? Like, they're, they're HIA, saying, this isn't this isn't like something trivial. Like, you know, should this be a penalty or not? This is somebody's like head, you know. And it's like, how was this missed? I mean, that's your job. If you're the HIA guy, that's your job. Mm. So how was it missed? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. Like, re, re, like I'm sure they're probably going to look into that to see how does how does that happen if you're at a again that's live on television. How do you not actually have uh, the footage in front of you to see that this guy? possibly should not have been put through the HIA at all because he was showing physical signs of, of concussion. So it be interesting to see if there's any more on that over the, the next little while, but that's what New Zealand have said this morning and Andy Farrell obviously asked about it at yesterday's press conference. Right, that is your papers this morning. There are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullsh**. Ah, no, I mean, come on, don't, don't be... No, I'm not... Yes. No. 8.44 and up next it's an All-Ireland Hurling semi-final GEA Quick Pick Special live with Willow Callaghan So many critics these pundits I absolutely adore them lads I have unbelievable time from but they're, they're a great bunch but it's not acceptable I'd like to play the hard man when, when they're on it's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team all you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency but they just dismiss you like, like you know you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion Will O'Callaghan is with us on the line and Will, 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 we, uh, we'll get into the predictions in just a moment, but boy oh boy has chaos been raining around the country this week. 
the hurling roadshow goes on one night out and madness ensues complete chaos ensues one of the hurling pods dear members almost dies on a night out have a look at this uh, for people uh, listening to us on the radio I will describe this to you so we've got CCC I was almost going to CCCC CCTV <laughs> footage of James Gell falling off a chair uh, the chair buckles underneath and look at him on the ground pine still intact most importantly what happened Will? You were standing across from him laughing at him as he was underground making no attempt whatsoever to, to aid your co-presenter yeah, well, the great part was uh, James Scale just kind of disappeared out of eyeline. We're in the middle of a conversation, not sure exactly what point Scale was trying to make, readjusting his chair ever so slightly, and next thing, all six foot four of pure muscle James Scale is on the <laughs> ground. But perhaps most impressively, and the main reason that I laughed was that Scale uh, was actually saying he still had it because he was able to keep his point entirely. Can we, can we take one more time just to like appreciate, if that's possible, just to appreciate the handling of goalkeeper, mm. of course, uh, James Scale here, uh, holding on to his point. So so you can see, you can just see the back leg of that chair buckle. Look at those instincts. And then Look, straight away, like... Oh, pint. Where's the pint? Left there hand. it is. There is very yeah. much a careful man. There's a beverage here in the Big Lebowski about that, where he's like, you know, I'm having a bad day here, but like, careful, there's a beverage here. He just <laughs> held on to us. That is it's a, hell of, a hell of an effort. You must be proud as a, as a Gollum man, uh, Johnny. Yeah. You can still do a job. Can do a job this weekend, potentially. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, what was he uh, hopeful of Galway's chances at all, Will? Not really. No. Um, it wasn't just because we were in Dolan's and Limerick when he was making the predictions <laughs> on the roadshow. He actually started off way more bullish on Monday. And then within 48 hours when we get away for a roadshow, he's like, <laughs> yeah, actually, I can't make any point that would see Galway actually win at the weekend. So I think he's accepted the fact that they would have to hurl completely out of their skins. And Limerick would also probably have to be down a few percent on their normal performance. And as Owen mentioned when you were going through the back of the papers, the scary part is that Limerick are getting three players back for this game, including a double hurler of beer in Keen Lynch. So... Um, that's a little bit helpful for John Kiley's side coming into it. Was it a successful night otherwise in Dolan's, Will? Any crack after? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, as you can see there, I was obviously kind of middle of the after show party when okay. James Gale came off the chair. I think that was only around 1am. So uh, okay. the fact that Paul Murphy middle. was able to go to the management in the bar and say, hey lads, any chance we could get the CCTV? Because we might be able to use this to actually use against Gale on the pod next week. And the lads were more than happy to give us a running commentary in the background as he videotapes the whatever. I'm assuming it's on some kind of laptop that they were showing the CCTV footage. So uh, they were there. Van Morrison is banned. I think we're across the way at the same time in Dolan. So, Van Morrison? It was a, yeah, it was a bit Found of Found the man himself. Found the man himself what? was there. They were playing um, elsewhere in the city. How dare they go on a gig up against us at the same time, but we ended up in the same place. So, yeah, we got a good few points. First time I'd actually met Skell and Murphy in person, despite the fact we've right. been a podcast now for 19 weeks. So, uh, we podged Collins with us, Jamie Wall, Colin Collins came across for a few points afterwards. Joe Quaid was just telling stories all night. Mm. Uh, there's a few people joking saying that you needed a soft clock to actually go on Quaid during the roadshow to stop him telling as many anecdotes as he did and then we're afterwards going well you should hear the stories that can't go out for any reason at 3am so yeah absolutely fantastic for Valerie Wheeler was the one I felt for uh, she was up the host on Spin Set West I think about 40 minutes after we left the pub uh, to start oh my the show. god so, what, what a trooper to just kind of power through and uh, do the show on fully charged yesterday morning so what's this this is like a 5am job 
Uh, yeah, it was around about then. I think it was around four o'clock when we got back to the hotel, at which point uh, Scahill also used his rather large hands uh, to take as many bottles of water out of the fridge in the hotel as he possibly could. I think he uh, went walking into his room with about 10 bottles of water. And then the unusual part was I got up, went for a quick swim yesterday morning, decided to go for breakfast. Um, I'm kind of on the time clock for this show at the moment, so I was up early enough around half seven, eight o'clock. I put into the WhatsApp to see what the lads were up to. Scale was already back running in Galway at that point. So I think around half eight, nine o'clock yesterday morning. Uh, admittedly, I believe he may well have got sick while going for his run, uh, but he was going for a run at 9 a.m. He got sick during his run. You've just outed him there. I did out him slightly, yeah. Mm. He, he went from like really noble to kind of James Gale throwing up after a few pints and falling over I mean it was going so well like he was like balancing pints the night before well that sounds like a, a, an absolutely fantastic a fantastic night uh, Johnny we, we kind of missed out on that it feels yeah 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 where, where did you go for your swim does a swim in the does a pool I, and all in the yeah I'd say probably went into went yeah. literally in the hotel Johnny yeah it was like I wasn't going too far I was ever so slightly hung over yesterday morning so it was like I can manage to take the lift down into the leisure centre the lift back up uh, to get out of Limerick yesterday morning but I'm a lot less tender this morning than I was yesterday admittedly yeah it's a great uh, hangover cure the old um, swim just yeah. into the water yeah especially after well, it's well two and a half hours sleep that is that is good going so that's clearly the, the hottest ticket in town the next hurling road show sounds like uh, the crack um, Will we do have two games to preview uh, we'll get up our graphics for the first game here um, oh sorry our leaderboard our leaderboard uh, Ashling and Tommy in the lead on 79% Will on 75% I'm on 67% which I don't necessarily buy I think they need to be rechecked and Adrian's at the bottom on 65% so Adrian Can getting I relegated get the objection in here on about the fact that Tommy has gone to 79% because clearly whoever has been totting this up has given him a victory for Galway last week that game was a draw that was a draw so that should be null and void mm. and he should be on about 76% I agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment so first game that we're looking ahead to this weekend is is it going to be Limerick it's going to be Kilkenny Clare oh my god this is mad okay well this is bad this is mad this is, this is, this, is, this, is, this makes me panic now we've all gone for the same outcome here Will uh, everybody's gone for Clare Everybody's gone for Claire to be Kilkenny. This is this just spells bad news. Brian Cody, um, first of all, you're very welcome. You're very welcome to ODBA and Brian Cody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, you can uh, he will be leaving comments anymore. Where's the printer? Where's the printer there? Why why are you confident that uh, that Claire will win? Will I'm not a bit confident about Claire winning, but I think they will win. Um, but I don't say that with any confidence whatsoever. Look, remember this is Kilkenny under Cody, 2019. Limerick could not have been hotter of hot favourites. We brought it up so many times in Limerick the other night, the fact that they targeted that game, enjoyed the fact they were coming in slightly under the radar. This season, you know, Kilkenny won a Leinster final at an absolute canter against Galway a few weeks ago. And they've had a four-week break to be able to just concentrate on this Clare fixture. Clare were not particularly good in 57 minutes of their game against West for the last time out okay they were magnificent when the game was in the melting pot in the last 10 minutes or so uh, but there are plenty of question marks about that performance plenty of question marks about the way that Clare uh, were unable to defend high direct ball which was coming into their full back line and that is probably what Kilkenny will be targeting going into the game tomorrow and lest we forget Kilkenny have never lost to Clare in championship under Brian Cody 1997 was the last time that Clare beat Kilkenny in the championship the little caveat to go with that though is the last time that these two teams met in the championship Brian Lowen was on the field for Clare in his mm. last ever game in 2006 so we have to go back that far 
I think the one thing as well about Clare, like they've so little experience in Crow Park in recent seasons. They lifted the Lee McCarthy in 2013. They went back for a semi-final there in 2018, and they're the only two championship games that they've played in Crow Park. Like for all of our you know love of Tony Kelly throughout the year, and he's the big favourite to win hurler of the year. He has played twice in Crow Park in nine years. Um, we'll see if he's able to light it up against Kilkenny this weekend. I wonder. I think Mikey Butler is probably the player who's going to be detailed on him most likely in a man-marking job. I don't think it'll be like the Munster final where it was a zonal defence that Limerick were using primarily against Tony Kelly or the last day where Rec went across onto Kelly for quite a bit of the game was reasonably effective but then you see the moment where he's on his back like a turtle late in the game and he's yet able to pop up and put the ball over the bar. So uh, Kilkenny will obviously have to do a serious job on him. I don't think Clare are going to be as let's say half-baked as they looked against Wexford for the first hour or so of that game I think they're going to come to the pitch in the intensity of the game a lot better against Kilkenny I think this one by one or two points either side I think Clare will come out on top I'm expecting a repeat of the Munster final and we get the All-Ireland final later this month but this is really one where Kilkenny are ready to derail them all the same. On his back like a turtle can only remind one of James Cahill, of course, there. I was like, sure, they come into other people's heads. But, uh, I think, as, I, I like it. The, the Kilkenny uh, support at this game, will I think the, it'll be interesting because, like, Kilkenny hurling folk down the years are so used to being in Crow Park, but I think they feel that they've um, they've been written off a bit here, and I think if this game's in the melting pot, the atmosphere, the Kilkenny people will be so behind them, and I, I just wonder mentally... Do Clare even have the experience of the cauldron that this is going to be? Because Kilkenny people will will fully believe what ten minutes ago they're going to win this game. Yeah, Kilkenny always believe they're going to win. That is the kind of great tradition that they've banked up over the years of being the most successful team of all time in hurling. That even when they hit low ebbs, like in 2018, I did not believe that they were going to beat Cork in a quarter final. I did not believe they were going to beat Limerick in a semi final. And the performance they put in 2019 was just absolutely remarkable. And a lot of the same agents are still around for Kilkenny right now. And obviously, like you've got Cody's consistency over the last two plus decades on top of that. Clare will probably outnumber the Kilkenny support, Johnny, I would think. Yeah, like Clare travelled in, in massive numbers this year they created an unbelievable atmosphere at the Munster final against Limerick I think if you're looking psychologically about what the Clare players will have taken from this season so far is the fact they've been level on three occasions at 70 minutes with Limerick who are the overwhelming favourites to win the All-Ireland Championship and very possibly the best team of their generation definitely the best team I would say this Limerick team since Cody's team of the late zero zeros like and they were probably the best hurling team of all time so and by I contrast, know, like I, the, I, I think the the goal, like the Galway support, will say from 2011 onwards up to now, will be massive, massive Galway followings at the semi-finals that they've been at and the finals. I don't think it's going to be there this year. Just that's just my hunch. It's, yeah, and also it's a year yeah. for them, John. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, I pr- probably think that that's going to be the case. Like, I mean, they would generally say that hurling would get the better support from Galway. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of a generational thing. Like, yeah. it became the, I, the, the, Gal- the Galway football, the love of Galway football, definitely abated in some people over the last few years with the defensive style of play and um, the goal just weren't very good they'll be back for the semi-final no question about it yeah they'll be back this year but the the hurlers did take over yeah Uh, the second game is Limerick uh, against Galway and no surprises there everybody is going for Limerick what concerns you most uh, about this prediction Will is there anything that concerns you or are you fully sure that this result will materialise 
Um, not particularly concerned. I think I'd agree with Joe Quaid's summation on stage. You can watch the prediction section back on our YouTube and off the ball if you want to see um, the thoughts of uh, Joe and uh, Jamie Wall and Podge Collins and the lads from the other night. Is that like this really feels like it's both Limerick's game to lose and Limerick's championship to lose because any question marks that we had about Limerick earlier in the season, whether that be suspensions, whether that be injuries, like there's not too many teams who could have lost their absolute star player and the guy who's so central to how they play in Keane Lynch in the second round of championship and they still go on to reel off a provincial um, without facing too many issues like they were still able to go toe to toe with an informed Clare team in that Munster final and they had that little bit of extra depth in extra time to win in Munster they've had a break that break has been good for Limerick because they've won so much in recent years where they've only lost five championship games in the John Kiley regime and only two of them have been knockout hurling both of them against Kilkenny so they don't lose very often in championship so for them I think getting the extra time to get Casey and um, Lynch particularly in contention to come in this weekend. The question mark is whether Lynch comes directly back into the team. I think he will, and all the feelings seem to be in Limerick that he has enough training in his legs over the last few weeks to just slot right back into the side. So then on top of all the excellent play they've had and players stepping up like Flanagan the last day with eight points, Dermot Burns with his scoring this year, I think Galan has looked better this year than he looked last year. He's looked absolutely lethal in front of goal. And then you add in the guy who pulls all the strings in Keane Lynch. You're taking out Carl O'Neill, which gives a remarkable option to come in from the bench. There's just something about that Limerick system that just keeps ticking over. And I think they're a better team now than when they lost that championship game three years ago. I think they're a much more polished team. They've got three more years of experience in them. They've won the last two close games that they played against Galway, which were pretty tight. Um, I heard you guys talking about earlier in 2020 where you know, the injuries to Mannion and Canning were mm. pretty crucial in that semi-final Massive. in the COVID year um, because Galway had a decent run on them. And Galway played really well, as we recall, in what we may as well call the first quarter before the water break mm. came in. And then Kinnerk and his uh, whiteboard came out at that stage and Limerick seemed to blitz them in what we call the second quarter and Limerick had a little bit too much in the second half and in 2018 that was an All-Ireland final where you know everyone in Limerick was clenching at the end of the game while Joe Canning was sending in a late free and they just about managed to get that ball clear and get over the line to win their first All-Ireland title since the 1970s so the last two fixtures between Galway and Limerick have been very tight I'm just not so sure where Galway are at Well I mean, you say if, if, if you look at the, the forwards like if obviously if, 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 if Con- Conor Whelan was half shackled against Kilkenny and then just Galway just faded out of the game maybe, maybe Cahill Mannion has to have a massive, massive day as well. The, the aforementioned call Mannion. Maybe we've some sort of chance. For me, Will, it looks like we've too many six or seven out of ten players that you just can't bank on performing at this level. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, like that Limerick defence particularly, like all-stars across the board effectively, are not going to create uh, or allow as much space to be created for Galway as Cork maybe afforded them at different stages during the game. And bear in mind as well, we were watching the game on TV together that day. Like the freak goal starts everything off from Grealish, for, um, which gives Galway an absolutely perfect start in the game. And Cork would be disappointed with the concession of that second goal too. Like to beat Limerick, given that Limerick are going to consistently hit somewhere between 28 and 32 points, you can set your watch to that over the last five, six years. Galway are probably going to have to I think bang in two or three goals so you're going to have, probably have a, a generational performance from Conor Whelan maybe Conor Cooney stepping up as well as you say Mannion who I think is a magnificent hurler will have to really come into it but you're doing that against such a good Limerick defence where also Galway cannot afford to be as leaky as they were against Cork like Aina Murphy had an incredible game probably his best performance for Galway that day because he was remarkably busy Cork had so many goal chances uh, they hit so many wides in the first half too Limerick will not allow you away with that so I think if Galway are to have any chance Limerick are going to have to be off it a little bit and Limerick haven't been off it a whole lot in the last five, six years. Will, very quickly before we wrap, will Offaly get the job done in the minors? 
I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched both semi-finals, and I rewatched the uh, game between Tipperary and Galway last week because it was just such a good game. Before we did the hurling pod, it was very different to the game that Offaly played against Clare, which was a little bit more defensive. And Offaly are actually very well structured at the back. I don't think they will allow Tipperary to get as many chances to score, like you know, three twenty, like they did against Galway in the second of the semi-finals in Limerick. But it's just going to be an unbelievable occasion, lads. Yeah, how Nolan many? Park how many going to be in Nolan Park actually? So it's so loud as of last night. Oh, wow. So 27,000 is gone. I have some concerns. Now, the GA and Kilkenny GA have been reassuring people that they've left 25% of the stands for under 16. So under 16s don't need tickets to go. But I would think, particularly when it comes to minors at 17 years of age, more than one in four people through the gate at the weekend are likely to be under 16. So mm. I really hope that there's not a huge rush of people turning up without tickets because you don't need them if you're under 16. And already the ground has been officially sold out at this point. So <laughs> it's going to be a bumper crowd. I think it's very mm. unlikely that everyone's going to be in the ground for half past one for this game between Tipperary and Offaly. It was good fun actually coming back from Limerick yesterday and coming up through North Tipperary on the way home. I was in Ross Grey and just give a shout out to Brendan's Bar in Ross Grey because they've invited me across because I tweeted about them. They had half and half Offaly and Tipperary flags up which I couldn't believe inside the Tipperary border and they had a crest for both counties on their front door and I was thinking what is this? Turns out that Brendan, the guy who runs the bar he is from Offaly. He's married to a Tipperary woman. They're just inside the border in Ross Grey in the middle of the town and they said I have to come over for a pint after the final. It's paid off. just got a mention on OTB. Yeah, they did. I will. I will duly oblige that because I thought it was good fun. I had to do a double take when I came through because once I got over the border and went through Coolary and went into Burr to my parents' house at home, um, it was just like Offaly flags across the board. And again, we yeah. live on the Tipperary border, but in Ross Grey there is a bit of a, an Offaly um, outpost which is there inside the middle of the town, which is quite funny to see yesterday. It is the Barack Obama Plaza Derby. Will enjoy it. Hope if Tipperary uh, win, they can have money gall back. They can have money gall back. We can have some parts that we like in Tipperary. Good stuff. That's this week's Quick Picks. I absolutely adore them, lads. I have unbelievable time for them, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. It is two minutes past nine. You're with us here on OTBAM. Delighted to welcome uh, former Waterford hurler Noel Connors to the show. Noel, how are you getting on? Morning, gents. How's it going? Very well. This should be a pretty exciting day tomorrow. Let's start there. It is, of course, Clare against Kilkenny. It's a game that, well, apparently everybody can call according to our quick picks there. Everybody's going for Clare, but it's only a one-point spread according to the bookies. It feels like a coin toss, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, I suppose, firstly, it's it's great to, to be talking about semi-finals. It's kind of strange that it's the 1st of July and we're already talking about it, but yeah. uh, strange, but a good thing, but that's a different debate. Uh, yeah, I suppose on form, you're probably looking at Clare through the Munster Championship. Um, but I suppose you go back to tradition and, and just kind of listen to your some of the previous speakers on it. You're listening to you know like the traditional Kenny. I don't think Clare have actually beaten Kenny in a championship match at all. I think they've met like five times and they actually haven't had a chance to beat him in championship. So when it comes to that, even psychologically, that's a, a huge factor. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I guess the the, the other aspect of all of this is that. Like when we talk about these intangibles about teams getting up for an occasion or, or getting the very most out of themselves just Kilkenny have this insane ability to to just do that like it's very hard to put your finger on why they do that because Brian Lohan is as passionate a hurling man as Brian Cody I'm sure he is and I'm sure his team talks are, are as good and all that sort of stuff and there's been plenty of other managers that you can point towards but Cody just has this incredible ability to pull out a result when you potentially least expect it yeah, and ironically enough, I was actually listening to, um, I think it was actually someone that was talking about the All Blacks there during the week. Uh, obviously, the, the rugby tour is, is down in New Zealand uh, the next couple of weeks. And um, they had a really interesting kind of 
understand, I suppose, how the All Blacks play. And it kind of relates very similar to how Limerick and Kilkenny are playing, particularly Kilkenny, over the last number of years. What they try and do is they try and wear you down. And once they wear you down, then they start hurling. And I think that's kind of how Kilkenny go about it, be it at club level, but also at inter-county level. You've seen it for many, many years where after about like maybe 55, 60 minutes, both teams are kind of neck and neck and all of a sudden then the other team just kind of fades away and then Kilkenny start hurling. And I think that's kind of the philosophy that nearly Clare are kind of going at as well. But over the last couple of years, it's very much, you know, run teams into the ground, hit them as hard as you can with your body and and physically try and drain them and then you you try and hurl as best as you can. On the Cody situation, all if if, if Kilkenny did, um, everyone's tipping Clare here, but like we're expecting to be close. If Clare won by five or six points, where is the narrative we Cody going forward? Yeah, I suppose like even the last, you know, two and three years, people have kind of nearly argued that is it, is it a time for, for Cody to go on? Arguably, he's probably the best and most successful inter-county manager. And I think sport, as we've probably mentioned on many occasions, is a very fickle thing. And people forget quite quickly how successful he has been with Kilkenny. You know, he's won more All-Irelands than most inter-county teams have ever seen in their life. Uh, and, uh, you know, every year, like you always say, Kilkenny, since that great team has finished, that Kilkenny are in transition. But ironically enough, they seem to be in you know semi-finals ever since. Now, they, they haven't won the last two, but I'd imagine that Cody is very keen to kind of right that wrong and win the third one out of the, the last three years. Uh, Normally, we wanted to get your take on a couple of the key individual matchups across both of these games. So we'll start with that Clare versus Kilkenny match. And uh, one of the first things we want to talk about here is who's going to pick up TJ Reid. Yeah, and do you know what? You actually just mentioned there that I suppose Brian Lone is very similar to Brian Cody in many ways. And I suppose we're very used to Kenny not kind of changing their shape and not changing personnel to, to kind of suit other other persons on, on the opposition. But I think that they could put David McInerney full-back. If TJ's in full-forward, I think they might put him in full-back just to kind of see how it goes. David McInerney is, I suppose, very comfortable in full-back and he's marked TJ on many different occasions. It's not to say that Conor Cleary is not capable of marking him, but I think it would settle a lot of the team because... Uh, Davy Mack has been uh, been on him for many different years and has done quite well on TJ. That I suppose leaves the question then who goes to wing back. Um, but I think that that's a big thing. You know, TJ probably hasn't been, I suppose, the TJ that we've seen over the last number of years. But in saying that, once it comes to semi finals and finals, there's no better man to kind of put a shoulder to the wheel and really, you know, kick into gear. Um, so I think that that's a really big battle. What maybe plays into Claire's uh, favour here is that they've been through this they've been through Leach in at the edge of the square they sort of notice it's coming like does that kill the element of surprise if they have this plan hatched if TJ goes into full forward David Mack is back there because we know that we didn't do that in the last game and we and we, and we got caught a little bit so like is, is it actually advantage Claire in that regard if TJ goes in full forward it is in many ways but again like every championship match is different you know, like, yeah. TJ, TJ is certainly a lot more you know he's, he, he's a lot more developed in the air he's left over right he's a lot more awkward but Physically, he's a lot more developed as well. Like, TJ is probably the best person, I'd say, in the country in the air feeling the ball. So, irrespective of who you put on him, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Mm. TJ is, is a phenomenal player and he's a great player to bring people into the game. So, you know, again, I think you mentioned it just a second ago, goals win games, and there's no better team than Kenny than going for the early juggler, like we've seen it over the last decade or even two. Once they get a sniff of goal, they're going to go for it. And I imagine that's the, the thing they're going to try and do, particularly early on, just to kind of test to see where the, the clear full back line are at. OK, so the other two forwards that uh, we're chatting about here. So we'll uh, have a look at Peter Duggan. We'll have a look at, at Owen Cody. What's going to be done on both of those? Um, yeah, it, it's strange because 
you know, Peter Duggan like is is a complete different animal than what we've seen Claire have. Like Claire traditionally go for maybe small, low sized, very fast and pacey hurlers in the full forward line. And this is a completely different dynamic. So he brings a complete different dimension to the Clare team. So they can obviously hit the ball into the corners where it would say someone like David, David Reedy is in the corner. You can hit it in quite low. But then you have obviously Peter Duggan as a kind of target man to in full forward. Obviously the, the obvious person there is he will all her. To Markham, he has been very impressive. He probably doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Full back, I must say, is an awful position to be in because if you make one mistake, it's a goal. So you, you might play, a, you know, a super like 70 minutes and all of a sudden with the last two pokes of the ball, it might go in and they might get two goals. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the challenge of being in the full back line. But I think that it's, it's very, very important that you will all are, I suppose, stamps of the tower they are physically over the last couple of games. He's been very, very impressive. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so important that they can put a handle on Peter Dogan because if you look at the last number of games, even against the likes of Limerick, who everyone is well aware that Limerick are a phenomenal team physically and in terms of hurling, but he caused them some troubles. He was phenomenal against Watford. He could Watford couldn't get to grips with him at all, and he caused chaos in there. So I think that's very important that Hugh Lawler wins the first couple of balls and gets on top. Right. Um, so then Owen Cody, who are you, who are you uh, putting on him if you're Brian Lohan? Yeah, ironically enough, again, I suppose you're looking at someone like Rory Hayes uh, and I know he was taken off early last time and that might come down to, again, like, you know, it's very, very difficult. There was, been, there was so much talk about, you know, him being sent off or whatever. I should have been sent off and then obviously been cited after the match and so on. And then, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult for him to try and, you know, get himself up for a match and only having a few days to do so and then get taken off. But I do think Rory Hayes will be, you know, a, a, an ideal person and the reason I would say that is is because he's fast and he's very aggressive Own Cody is, is kind of resembles a, a younger version of an Eddie Brennan where he gets the ball and he just goes directly at goal so I think you need someone that's very tight marking but also someone that can get back around him so if he does get past that he has the pace to get back around him so I think Rory Hayes has probably been one of the best players for, for Clare uh, over the last couple of years in terms of performance, he's always been, as you were talking about there, about rating players, I think he's been always at seven, maybe eight, or even nine. Noel, I think Noel sorry, so, so sorry to interrupt, uh, just uh, just to put this to you, um, Joe Canning's actually focused on Hayes in the Irish Times uh, this morning. I, I'd just love to get your take on this. He says, he's a reputation for being Clare's most outstanding corner back, but if you look at the matchups he's had in this championship, I don't know if that really stands up. Desi Hutchinson scored 1-6 of the round-robin game at Waterford. Shemi Flanagan took him for eight points in the Munster final. Lee Chin scored one and set up another before Hayes was subbed off after eight minutes it's the last day there's a big distance between perception and reality and Lohan can only afford to deal in reality is that a harsh assessment of his? Yeah I think it is like the the other side of it too is you know like where did where did the balls come from if the ball is getting hit in like and there's 50-60 yards of room you know it's, it's very very difficult you know you go back to let's say the Desi Hutchison one for instance like the ball was probably handed in across what I can remember the ball was handed across Desi was left on his own again Rory Hayes went to engage the person that was running in and hoping that the wing back was going to come across and that was very similar to other games as someone that's in the full back line that has been there for many years it's next to impossible in regards to who you're marking if there's that room inside mm. to try and mark it it's next to impossible but when you look at it, I suppose at face value when the I suppose it's a 50-50 ball there's probably no better person to come out with the ball like you know you look at even the championship match against Warford this year he was phenomenal uh, and you go back through even the, the previous matches I think he's been an excellent hurler so I think that's a very harsh assessment and also like just because Lee Chin might have scored like a couple of points it doesn't necessarily mean that Rory Hayes was on him for that period of time he might have been marking him but there might have been a switch in play for instance Yeah the, the, I'm just trying to remember did you mark Conor Whelan in the final in 2017? 
Yes, I did. Seems uh, to recall you did all right, actually. Yeah, uh, from what I can remember, I did pretty okay. Pretty okay. <laughs> I'm blushing here now, so you shouldn't say too much. <laughs> um, how, what do you do with him? Like, uh, like he's obviously, geez, he's five years older now. Um, I remember Anthony Cunningham giving him his debut when he was like, he was a minor, I think. He was certainly 18 and he already looked like a tank. Now, you were physically, obviously, I mean, one of the most imposing cornerbacks of your generation. But what do you do with Conor Whelan? Like, you know what, it's... it's uh, the good thing about, I suppose, going to places like college, for instance, we had Owen Murphy, uh, Scruff was on goal for Kilkenny now. And I was always intrigued to try and get a handle on, we'll say, Kilkenny backs at the time. So you had like some of the best backs in the, in the country with JJ and all of those and Jackie Turner. And I kind of asked him a question once upon a time, you know, like, like how did they approach it? And he said, like, the, the most important thing is get the ball to ground and you'll win the ball. And I kind of always took that kind of mentality is don't allow him to win the first ball. And I suppose the, the challenging thing now at times is that a lot of intercounty players, not just backs, but as forwards, they want to actually play hurling. There's a time to play hurling and there's a time not to play hurling. There's a time to physically, we'll say, try and wrestle the person. Now, I don't mean obviously jump on their back, but physically like push them out of the way, be it with your shoulder or with your back or with your arm and even break through. Whereas I suppose in the last five and six years, it's gone beyond that, where every cornerback wants to be someone like Sean Finn that's getting on maybe, mm. you know, 10, 20 possessions are similar enough. You look at someone like a, a Barry Nash, he's very similar. But there's a time to do that and there's a time not to do it. And you have to realise that you're marking somebody that's the best player in their county in that particular position. So what I would try and advise people, picking the full back line, is, is just to break the ball. You don't have to catch every ball. You don't have to win every ball. You have to keep it behind you. If you can break it in behind him, he is the field and the field is open. And you think Mike Casey is going to be on him this weekend? I think Mike Casey will be on him, but then it doesn't surprise me if Sean Finn was on him. I don't think Barry Nash, because Barry is probably a bit more of a hurler, and I don't think that will suit him. Now, don't get me wrong, I was kind of a bit intrigued when he went back there initially he was like a wing forward or a corner forward and he was a fabulous player and then when I saw him going to full back line number I kind of was a bit concerned but he, he's been a revelation back there he's, he's a joy to watch because he just could do anything On two of the Limerick Danger men then you picked out Aaron Galan and Gerard Hegarty who do you think is going to be or who would you put on them if you were the Galway manager? Yeah, I think uh, you have to look at uh, Dahi Burke has probably been the best fullback in the country over the last 10 years. Uh, what is he, four or five all-stars at fullback? Um, so I think that he has to mark him. And, you know, everyone is familiar with the fact that, like, Glan needs one chance and he'll bang a goal. And he's he's incredibly difficult to mark because he knows where the ball is going before the ball is even hit there. It's like as if they say, right, when... If Tom Marcy has it in the half forward line, he knows exactly where he's going to hit the ball. If Dan Marcy has it in the half back line, he knows exactly where he's going to hit it. So as a back, it's next to impossible to try and mark that. You're nearly firefighting at times. But Galan is is just he's a joy to watch, but a nightmare to mark because he can get it high, lower, and different, and he's lethal. Do you find that just to mention some of those, like Joe obviously now Owen is quoting him from the Irish Times, so he's he's left the scene. Do you find some of those marquee Galway players like McInerney, Burke, um, David Burke as well, just aren't necessarily at the pitch they were asked? Um, Noel, do you think, or is, is is that being harsh? I think it's probably a bit harsh. Uh, you know, you, you look at someone like David Burke, like David Burke, particularly in midfield, he's probably been one of the best midfielders in the country again over the last 10 years. But I suppose he hasn't really got to as many games as probably where he wanted. He seemed to be carrying a couple of different knots. And like, you know, it's very, very difficult. David is probably now 31 or 32 at this stage. And it takes a small bit longer for you to recover. 
But like, there's no, there's no player like him. I don't think in Galway that physically can get up and down the field as much as can. And he won't last the seventy minutes, but he'll put in a, a forty or fifty minute shift that no other um, Galway person can do. And I think that his experience is invaluable because Crow Park is a very different place than playing in somewhere like a Turles or playing in somewhere like a Parallel Park or a Nolan Park. Um, and you've obviously heard before many different games are won. Um, before people run out of the tunnel, you know, they hear the sound, they hear the noise, and when they run out into the tunnel, they they kind of get a bit of a fright. Well, how, so, how would you exonerate the Galway defence? Would say against Cork then, because like the running game, the first half, like I mean, if there were an XG in hurling, like Galway were absolutely blessed to win that game, and they were opened up time and time again. Yeah, and I, I totally agree, but we have to we have to remember like that that Cork team aren't as bad as people are kind of are kind of articulating. You know, they were in Ireland final last year. They've won what. It was it's three or four in a row under twenty All Ireland's, you know, under twenty last year, whatever it may be as well. They got bet this year and they've been very, very successful at colleges level and at schools level. Like they have a very, very good team and people kind of forget that. Mm. Cork were probably very hard on me not to win that game. Um again, everyone will talk about not beginning Cadigan or not starting Hoggy and all these different things, but they are not a bad team. Um and you know, it's easy to say that all oh, Galway weren't particularly good at the day. It wasn't the fact that Galway weren't particularly good it was the fact that Cork were very good yeah. uh, you look at from we'll say the Watford in Welsh Park since then we've seen a very very different Cork team Noel who's going to be in the All-Ireland final this year? Everyone is saying that Clare is I'm actually thinking that Kilkenny will win that and okay. I don't think it's very I think that most people are are happy to go with Limerick and I agree ironically enough I was just looking at some of the stats on it Clare actually have the highest score on average I think they've like 40 scores over the last three games I think the last three games are probably a better reflection of where teams are at. I think Clare have like on average 40 scores. You look at Kilkenny, they have 25.6. You look at, uh, Car- you look at the Galway team, they're 23, which is the lowest. And then you look at Limerick, who have 32. So if you're going off that, uh, I would say Limerick. And then I think Kilkenny, because I don't think Clare have beaten them in the championship um, to date. So I think that that's a huge omen. All right, very good. Noel Connors, great stuff. Thanks, Millie, for being with us. Have a good weekend, lads, and enjoy the semi-finals. Yeah, you too. That's uh, former Waterford defender Noel Connors there on the line. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. It is 9.17. And just to tell you what's coming up throughout the day on OTB Sports Radio, from 1 o'clock, we've got OTB Gold with Jason Sherlock, Friday Night Racing. From 3 o'clock, your Team 33 legend this week is Packy Bonner. And then from 6 o'clock, it's OTB Gold in the company of Chris Waddle. You can follow off the ball across all our social channels. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can download the OTB sports app for the latest and best in sports content and analysis next it's time for the crappy quiz Chris Waddle oh you're kidding September Kyle Lafferty are you joking me is that right I know is that right Uh, anybody else like that is one of the most stupid questions (laughs) Darius Vassell Seriously, you only need to just stay quiet. This is getting really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome along to the shoutiest segment on Irish radio. It is the scintillating, it's the stupefying, it's the splendido crappy quiz. Every Friday we pit three of team off the ball up against each other in our no-holds-barred quiz of sporting factoids at the end of the week. Allow me to welcome today's contestants. Our first contestant prioritised wine over live sport last Sunday and is presenting Friday's OTBAM right now. It can only be the Athlone Bone, Adrian Barry. Oh wait, that's Johnny Ward's music. 
Welcome, Johnny. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, I was a bit lost there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Make your comeback. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been long six months or whatever it was since I lasted the crappy quiz. What is the story with you suddenly trying to become a foodie on the Instagram? I'm not. I mean, food, I mean, I'm food, not. food is beautiful. Yeah. And isn't it very... Are you looking for free food friendly? too? Like, like, you know the way in Dublin now, it's like Insta-friendly cottage in cul-de-sac up for like 875 grand and it's like this is something that you know insta-friendly but the food in Orwell Road is certainly insta-friendly second, second time you dropped that name this morning yeah I'm like Will with the that boozer in Ross Square or whatever just giving shameless plugs but uh, I mean, I mean should, should we, is it just about sport like sport is a great triviality like eating food is not no like, it sustains us and it's well, very do, you enjoyable. do pull it out in the end irrespective of how expensive it is speaking Thanks, of sure. which our next contestant has got his research done and his journalism skills at the ready for next week's J.P. McManus Pro-Am. It could be the biggest week of his career. It could be the week he makes a split-second eye contact with Jordan Spieth as Spieth pushes him out of his way to get to the first tee. Give it up for the beast of Ballyhonest Nathan Nate Dog Murphy. Good morning, everybody. How excited are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, you know, the chance to rub shoulders with Jordan Speed. <laughs> that would be a kind of a, a very awkward thing to do. It would be very, very strange if you were to go like and start rub giving my shoulder. Him a massage. Yeah. Oh, Jordan, yeah. let me let no, me rub your manly shoulders. No, it's actually his shoulder rubbing up against Jordan Speed's shoulder. Not a, that's a weird way to give a massage. Well, on top of everything else, Nathan was you know dropping the hand. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Once again, thanks, Jer. Good morning. He's back from holidays. No, this is going to be a very mature, crappy quiz. I can assure you. Our final contestant. Can I just can I, hold on one second? Hold on one second here now. Uh, when I was asked to do this, I didn't realise what I was letting myself in for. Johnny Ward, I thought we agreed would never be on a quiz again, and I assumed, I assumed I was going to be on with Mick and Arthur, so we could finally settle some things after last week when the quiz master yet again showed his complete lack of backbone. Absolutely and gifted, incorrect, Mick McCarthy incorrect, incorrect. I was absolutely spot on last week, and no, I should, no, 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 no. backbone. I was not backing me, myself a lot me, more. Explain to me this: the basics of a quiz. I was leading the quiz going into the final round. I didn't get any questions wrong in the final round, yet I didn't win the quiz. How is that a fair and proper quiz? Because the other players were better than you. No, they weren't. They I were far, the far superior. Of an imaginary, an imaginary coin toss. That happens because clearly you're quiz. under massive pressure. See, you're thinking of the 2016 angry producer Mick. He's not angry producer Mick anymore. He's soft cuddly Mick. You don't need to be afraid of him anymore. Is he? How, how <laughs> come he got... He's, he's playing he, a long he, game with all of us here. Uh, I'm not I'm sorry, to you since 2016. I'm sorry, hang on a second. Is Nathan still whining about something that happened last week? I mean, has he, has he brought up the, the Liam McHale getting sent off while Colm Coyle got sent off this week? Oh, it was, that, was that actually the first thing that he reached for after last weekend? Yes, it was. Stop with the male whining. Get over it. The, You're cursed. There's nothing you can do about it, buddy. Yeah. The, the actual showdown is Phil versus Mick versus Arthur, just to put that on record. That's the one that people how, want to see. How? This is Talson Cup today. But you know what? There's there's merit in it. Oh, look, yeah, I've got to find your level, you know. Um, Nathan's level is now me and Johnny. Yeah. How sickening is that, Nathan? I mean, it's, uh, it's something like, that's screwed I, over. Sport is the great triviality in life, <laughs> and you have to be worried about things that are more important, and that's why I'm incredibly bad at sporting related Well, you're very welcome. Uh, our final contestant today is. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about how trivial sport is again there, Johnny? Because I don't think anybody got the message. Yeah, no, I, I love sport. I think about it all day, every day, but it is, it is like there are other things going on. So it's just food. Our final contestant screamed to the sky into the Tiger Woods two handed fist pump at Mount Juliet this week after his. His team won the Pro-Am. He may not have played a single shot and his teammates may not even know his 
name, but boy, did he drink wine out of the trophy in celebration before being forcibly removed from the property and told to never return. It is the Athyron Jerry Gilroy back from holidays. You're very welcome. Oh, that's the first time I've heard that one. Um, I did indeed. Well, I, the, the prize was a, a glass, a wine glass. Which you can drink wine out of, it turns exactly, out. Exactly, yeah. Uh, as ever, the format is a Factually classic quiz with a series of questions and a range of themes, and it's a slip and slide of trivia, which is the rapid fire round. You can podcast a crappy quiz on otbsports.com or on the OTB Sports app and give us a thumbs up on YouTube. That would be great. You can send any questions you have via postcard to Crappy Quiz Quizmaster, Off the Ball Towers, Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2. Shout out to John Barrett who DM'd me to say, Hey Owen, John here, a Lisboa man living in Minneapolis. Love OTBAM and listen every morning. Ever thought of changing the name of the Crappy Quiz to the Scrappy Quiz? Especially oh. after last week. Yes. Well, that's going to we get us out. Look. I'm going to, uh, you know, open the kimono a little bit here. We can't get a sponsor for the Crappy Quiz because no sponsor wants to be associated with... This. With who? With this. But if we call it the Scrappy Quiz, we could just... It's grand. We get to keep it. We'll have the, uh, we'll have the yes. S kind of badly yes. written in. Let's blame it on the name. The and Scrappy not blame Quiz it on brought the, to you by uh, many... Jared Gilroy's behaviour. De- definitely not nothing to do with the content that happens in the 20 minutes we do this. That is definitely not the reason why no commercial business with any respect wants to be involved with us. Uh, round one is the boring questions round. Never multiple choice. Johnny... Nathan Collins could well become the most expensive Irish player in football if he leaves Burnley. But can you tell me which club paid the money in the current most expensive transfer for an Irish player ever? Uh, Inter Milan? No. <coughs> right player, though. <coughs> Liverpool. 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 Yeah, Robbie Keane. Uh, Nathan, question one for you. Do we actually know how much Robbie Keane was? Do we really know how much Robbie Keane was? Not it was never quite made public, I don't think. It was now, because it was more than Inter Milan paid for him, obviously. Well, Inter Milan yeah. paid 5 million. Was, this was like 12. 18 million Inter paid 12. Coventry paid 5. Inter paid 12. And I think, was it 19? Was it 17, 18, 19? 19? Something like that, yeah. Okay. And how much is Matt 16, 16 Something like that. You know all the truth about all this stuff, Nathan. Well, I don't think they ever released the exact period, did they? But everyone says 18 million was the Robbie Keane. I'm being told to shut up here. Uh, Nathan, uh, can you name the woman who knocked Serena Williams out of Wimbledon this week? Harmony Tan. Correct. Jer, who managed Derry the last time they won the Ulster football title before this year? I Eamon Coleman. the answer to this. No, it wasn't Eamon Coleman. Johnny? It was um, Brian Steins. No, the other Brian. Brian, Brian Mullins. Brian Mullins, even sorry, Brian Mullins. Mullins. Yeah. I was at the the game afterwards against Galway. Is it ninety eight? Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, terrible, terrible by me. Sorry. Round two is the Wikipedia list rounds. Nathan is one nil up. The game is simple. I will list from Wikipedia in order from first to last the clubs a footballer has played for, and all you have to do is guess the footballer in question. The first person to do so will win the point. There is only one major rule to avoid the complete carnage of a guessing free for all. Each contestant must state their own name before guessing a player. Of course, this is the crappy quiz. Your names, what, is, your crappy quiz nicknames. I've never, I've never heard this before. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Can you guess as many times as you want? Yeah. So, so start, is this ah, like, here. is this like well, one per club? Is this competition against each other? Or we just shatter names. Competition against each other. Yeah. So we have. Oh, no. We so have, start that again because I was not. I thought they were going to come to me with a question. I'm going li- to, I'm going to list off clubs. Yeah. And you shout your name. Yeah. And you guess the player in question. Who matches that list of clubs? Starting at again, his, uh, his, again, his like, can we not learn some lessons on this goddamn quiz? We did this a month ago. It's a perfectly fine idea. But you take out any element of 
expertise by just having people randomly guessing. Nathan, we're going to just gonna mute, mute your mic. It's not a guessing if that's all right, just is, is it okay if you just mute yourself? We have uh, the tyrant, so you must refer to yourself by your crappy quiz nicknames. We have the beast of Ballyhonus, and you don't have a crappy quiz nickname, Johnny. Um, we, we, let's go with here's Johnny. Um, for yours, okay? So those are the three names. Johnny Fraud. Uh, failure to do so uh, will eliminate the contestant from that particular round of the quiz. So you need to state that I'd name. I prefer Happy Gilmore than a tyrant. I would. Tyrant. Uh, a tyrant is apt. You get uh, one guess per club named. Okay, ready? Yeah, we're all clear. So question uh, two for whoever shouts your name first. The first player we're talking about here started their professional career with Luton Town. He then moved to Arsenal. He then moved to West Ham United. He then he moved to yeah, John Hartson. Correct. The beast of Ballyhonus goes two 0 up. Okay. The second question. This player started their senior professional. Sorry, can I just just call you on this? This is one of my. I absolutely hate this in terms of grammar. There is more than one, so it's like the person there. It's the per- this player started his, not no. there. No, it's, it's not. not there. No, it's there not. It is, is more than one. No, it's not. It's not. So it's yeah. not there. It's him or her, his or her. There is one. Is not one person. So this player started his career, not there. It could be a woman playing. Yeah, him or her, his or her. Then not there, his or her. There started it's, their it's senior. Always, it's always awful mistake. And there's no subbing in papers anymore. It's not there. It's his or her. But, uh, but I don't want to say him. I'm not going to spoil the next question. Okay, who is it? I'm, I'm not going to spoil the next <laughs> question. But I'm, I, I could be a, a male player or a female player. His you or know, her. it's um, the second player started their senior professional career with Ajax. They, he then moved to uh, Sampdoria. He then moved to Real Madrid. He then moved to Inter Milan. Uh, uh, tyrant. Yeah. Clarence Seidorf. Correct. Finally, somebody else gets a point. Clarence Seidorf is always the answer. God damn it. And our final question, question. This manly man started his senior professional career with Bohemians. He then moved a to... Yeah. Matt Doherty. No. He then moved to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh. A tyrant. Johnny Ward. Uh, uh, Ward. Jerry got in there first. Uh, Kevin Doyle. No. Ward. Based yeah. on Ballyhonest. Ward. Um, oh, Wardy. Wardy, the left back. No. Uh, Nathan. Stephen Ward. Correct. He what? just said it. He just said it. No, you didn't say your correct uh, He said nickname. Ward. He, said, ah, he did. He, didn't he, did. he did. Give me something. He did. No, no, he did. He did. And Here's you gave, you gave him the go. You gave him the go and he gave you the answer. He said the answer. I was said This is not for me now. This is not. I wasn't giving Johnny Ward. I was giving Stephen Ward. He said Stephen Ward. Ward's the answer. Ward's the name. Johnny. You gave. You asked him to answer and he answered it. Maybe I didn't say here's Johnny. He didn't say here's Johnny. That was the rule. That was your heart. No. 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 Never said here's Johnny. Anyway. You actually asked him to give the answer. He gave the answer out, and then he didn't. Okay, well, hang on. Nathan only found the answer out when Johnny Ward said Ward. No, I didn't. I literally actually that, to there think is of what that. my name was to say it. Um, I thought this quiz was going to be funny. It's just ended up being grim. Mm. Uh, no, no point given out awarded on that no, one. There then. is a point given out. Round three said, is the pass the parcel of room da- doom round. <laughs> <laughs> in this round all you gotta do is give me a name that is on a list of names this and the Passler like, Doom this is like the movie room passes on to the next question who then also it's probably more like the room who then has to give me a name we'll keep moving through the list until one of you gives me an incorrect answer at which point that person will be eliminated when two players are eliminated the remaining player gets a point Johnny you're kicking us off on this one this one is easier to follow can you name anyone that has played in a men's Wimbledon's final this century Rafael Nadal that is correct. Yes. It moves to Nathan next. 
Roger Federer. That's correct. Djokovic. Yeah. Very good. Um, oh, it comes back to me. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. In this century. Yeah. Tim Hinman. Tim No. Did he not even make a final? No, I don't think so. Oh well, no, God. he definitely didn't. Nathan. Andy Murray. Andy Murray is correct. He's never won one, though, has he? He has. Oh, he Andy has. Murray has. I don't, I don't give a damn. Twice. Okay. There sure. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Pete Sampras. Pete Sampras is correct. Nathan. Leighton Hewitt. Correct. Nice. Sure. Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick is correct. What is the music? Shut up. Answer the question. Heading an element of pressure. Um, Time up. Uh, Thomas Burdick. Correct. Good answer. Sure. Pressurized face. Goran yeah. Ivanisevic. Correct. Ivanisevic. Oh, yeah. Nathan. Stan Vavrinka. Vavrinka is not correct. Oh, Never played in a Wimbledon me. final. Jerk claws another point back. It's 3 2 now. Uh, Kevin Anderson, Matteo Berrettini, Marin Cilic, uh, David Nalbandian, Mark Filipousis, Pat Rafter, and Milos Raonic were the other answers possible. So it's 3 2 nil. Nathan, you kick us off on this one. Can you name a team that qualified for Euro 2012? Ireland. Correct. Sure. Croatia. Yeah. Johnny. England. Yeah. Spain. Spain is correct. Sweden. Yeah. Um, Italy. Correct. Germany. Germany is correct. Poland. Poland is correct. France. Yeah. Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. Ooh. Gonna need an answer. Portugal. Correct. Sweden. Have already been said. You're done. Nathan. (laughs) Um... Uh, so to like, I mean, somebody just said Sweden. They. Turkey. Turkey. Turkey's not correct. Jer gets a point. Oh, <laughs> Come back. All right, Jer, you kick us out on this one. Can you name someone Can that you has give won? Us the other, other teams oh, there. sorry, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Czech Republic, Denmark, Greece, Netherlands, and Russia. Ooh. Ooh. I was going to say Netherlands, but I thought that was one of the ones they didn't qualify for, so that's. Uh, that was. Can you name, Jerry, someone that has won a hurling all-star for Limerick in the last 10 years? Keen Lynch. That's correct. It goes to Johnny next. Aaron Gillan. Yeah. Shane Dowling. Shane Dowling is correct. Gerald Haggerty. Yeah. Quaid, the goalkeeper. Yeah. Kyle Hayes. Kyle Hayes is correct. pressure already Casey Casey what's his first name he didn't have to give you Quaid's first name and there's All four right. four Quaid's uh, Peter Casey Johnny ah uh, here no backbone um, and Declan Hannon yeah Nathan Sean Finn Sean Finn is correct 
temperature. <laughs> and I just get wheeled out <laughs> on a dolly. <laughs> Replaced with APM. <laughs> uh, oh, bollocks. Um, Considine. Considine. Who is Considine? Oh, no, Constantine. you're out. Uh, Johnny. I'm probably done as well. You just get you just get slimed for being bad. Uh, Johnny, you're done. I'm probably done. Yeah. And Nathan gets the point, but God, did you have anything, Nathan? I was going to say Seamus Hickey. Yeah, that would have been uh, correct. So, in fairness, Seamus Hickey. Yeah. Uh, Ten years. Yeah. Uh, he won in 2013, I think. Right. Uh, or maybe 14. Dimer Burns, Richie English, Seamus Flanagan, Seamus Hickey, oh, Dan Morrissey, Tom Morrissey, Richie McCarthy, Graham Mulcahy, Barry Nash, Willie Mudd, Donahue, and Darrow Donovan were the other All Stars. They've won 20 in the last 10 years. It is Nathan Four, Jar Nil, Johnny Nil. Sorry, three, Johnny Nil. Round four is the fun free magic number round. Yeah, him getting the award point here is going to live in infamy. You're, you're like giving him something back this week because you obviously wrote There's him last a week. Basic rule that Johnny Ward didn't. It just was. A but he gave you the answer. Johnny and he Stephen just Ward gave you the, the answer, and you just stole well, the he, answer. He did. I, I knew what the answer was. Well, you didn't though. You didn't because you would have. Uh, you would have before that. Yeah. I was shouting my name in. Contestants get three points getting the number exactly right. If no one manages that, the nearest contestant who doesn't go bust gets two points. Do you have pen and paper, Johnny? The second no. closest gets one point. <laughs> I'm going to say that we can only accept the answer that's written on your paper. Do you have a spare piece of paper? I'm also going to have to ask for your pens once these begins. On my phone, if you want. Yeah, let's just do that. So if you don't mind, give us the following number. The number of, Googling chair. The number of times Claire have won the Munster Hurling Championship this century, plus the number of times John Ram has won the Irish Open, plus the number of goals the Republican of, Republic of Ireland women's team have scored against Georgia in total throughout this World Cup qualification campaign, plus the number of points Ireland scored against the All Blacks in their latest test match on New Zealand soil. Your 30 seconds expire when Sinatra sings bright shiny beads. So how many times have Clare won the Munster Hurling Championship in the 21st century? How many times has John Ram won the Irish Open? How many goals have the Ireland women's team scored against Georgia in this qualification campaign? And then how many points did Ireland score the last time they played the All Blacks on New Zealand soil? Add them all up. What do you get? Patently. Johnny, what have you got? 36. 36, Nathan? 22. Sure. 24. The answer is 22. Nathan goes to 7. Okay, let's run through these. Claire have never won the Munster Hurling Championship in the 21st century. John Ram has won the Irish Open twice. Ireland scored 20 goals against Georgia in their two I had matches. 20 down and I changed it to 22 because I, I, I thought it was 13 well, nil. Did, did Ireland score at all? Nil. 60 nil. 60 nil. Oh my God. So 22 is the answer. Uh, we move on to the fire, which uh, the final, which is a no team in particular ridiculously easy rapid fire round. Uh, so the score you get in this round will be added to your score in the previous round. There'll be 40 seconds for everyone to answer from the same set of questions. We're going to start with Nathan, then on to Jared, then on to Johnny. You have a four point cushion, Nathan. This is pointless. Uh, it's a crappy quiz, actually. If you get a question correct, so keep, I'll ask you another question and keep asking you questions until you get one wrong. Once you get Finally, he brings wrong, the jokes. I move on to My the next person. Here. And your incorrect answer also means a deduction of one point. Nathan Murphy, are you ready? Yes. Your 40 seconds starts now. Israel Falau will now represent what country in Test Rugby? Tonga. Correct. What F1 team does Lando Norris represent? Renault. No, McLaren. Who finished second to Park Harrington at the US Senior Open last week, Jer? Steve Stricker. Correct. Who was the All Blacks head coach before Ian Foster? 
too long. Steve Hansen. In what country would you find a football team Ludogorets? Ludogorets are in... Uh, oh, God. Too long. Bulgaria. Who did Kerry ah. beat in this year's Munster football final, Nathan? Limerick. Correct. Next question is, name Tony Kelly's club. Uh, Ballier. Correct. In what year did Novak Djokovic last win the title at Wimbledon? Uh, 2011 no 2021 it doesn't matter Nathan you got uh, an extra point out of that so you get to 8 points Jerry sure, you said on 3 Johnny you finished on minus 1 congratulations Nathan I hope you're happy <laughs> I am happy I am happy can I please go home now like so now I, I, I'm back in with the big guns next week am I hey, you're back in what I'm, I'm back with the big guns next week uh, I've st- taken my punishment even though I didn't lose last week it's yeah. bizarre but well yeah. Okay. Well, good for you, Nathan. Can we I do hope like you Ashley Lanson's broken on. I think next, we've broken on. Next, next time you're back, um, Johnny, we will do a national anthems round. So Nathan Murphy is your winner. Uh, oh, uh, we will leave it there for this week's crappy quiz. <laughs> See, listen, listen, listen to his tone. He's second. Chris Martin. Oh, you're kidding me. September. Kyle Lafferty. Are you no! joking me? Is that right? I know. Is that right? Ah. Anybody else? Like, that is one of the most stupid questions. Darius Vassell? Seriously, you all need to just stay quiet. This is getting really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.